a golden god! An equal amount of blueberries in each muffin. To a new world of gods and monsters. <laughs> I don't know who's weirder, you or me. You just put the law in my hands, and I'm gonna break your heart with it. Nobody puts baby in the Whatever you do, don't fall asleep. Hello and welcome to Movies for Life. I'm one of your co-hosts, Brian Kuyper. And I'm your other co-host, Michelle Agan. So today we are going on summer vacation. Yes, we are. We've got a couple of movies for you that, well, mine, yours is pretty well known. I think mine might be a little bit more of a deep cut. It was for me. Yeah. And this is a movie that we're going to start with. We're going to start with mine in this case again. Because that's, you know, traditional. Yes. Going back to tra- original traditions of the show. Yeah. I like it. So we're going to start with uh, 1993's Indian Summer, directed by Mike Binder. Now, this was a movie that I was introduced to by my wife, which is not all that common. <laughs> um, <laughs> usually it's the other way around. I'm just more of a cinephile than she is. Um, she likes movies. Uh, I think most people in modern America do. I think most people like movies, uh, sure. Perhaps modern world do. But um, she came across this one, I don't know when she found it, but she came across it one point and, and um, we saw it at a video store or something like that. And she says, oh, you've got to see this. You'd probably really like this. She was right. I really enjoyed this movie back when I first saw it and uh, picked it up on Blu-ray about a year ago, year or two ago, and really still enjoy it. So really glad to be able to talk about this movie with you. A first time watch for you. Yeah. I had never even heard of it when you you mentioned that, but that cast and the time period and the story really intrigued me. And I ended up really, really liking this. I'm excited to talk about it, too. I'm glad you introduced me to this one. Yeah, yeah. We're just keep we're just keeping the chain going. Introducing people to great movies. I love it. Yeah. So this is a uh, Hey, what's mm-hmm. what's my movie? Oh, yeah. Do I get to say what my movie is? Of course you do. Uh my choice for this is a movie that was a huge staple of my childhood because it was another one of those movies that we had taped off of TV onto VHS and so I just watched it. Over and over and over and over again. Uh, we're talking about from 1991, Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. Now, this was a movie that I only saw for the first time a couple of months ago. Yeah. Pretty much on your recommendation. I saw that it was on HBO Max, and we have family movie nights with my kids, and you said, I bet they're going to like it. And so we watched it, and we all had a great time with it. My wife, I think, had maybe seen it before, uh, but I had not. I remembered it because I was kind of obsessed with Christina Applegate uh, when this yeah. movie came out back in 1991, as most young men of my generation were. Uh, <laughs> she was... Same. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, and I'm sure many young women too. Yes, of course. Um, but yeah, we'll get to that. That'll yeah. be fun to talk about. Okay. So Indian Summer is a little bit of a nostalgia kind of movie. It's I've As I was watching it this time around, I was thinking it's sort of like a Gen X big chill without Kevin Costner committing suicide. I've never seen the big chill, right? <laughs> That's okay. Kevin Costner's not actually in it. They cut his scene. Uh, <laughs> like, what the they, hell? They famously, they famously cut his scene. Uh, that happens before the movie even starts. Uh, so ah. anyway. I thought you just gave away like no, a no, spoiler. No, no, no. That's not a huge spoiler at all. That's uh, the beginning of the movie. Um, but The Big Chill is what it is, and it's fine. It's sort of a boomer nostalgia movie. And this is sort of a Gen X nostalgia movie, uh, early Gen X. So it starts out with a group of kids back at Camp Tamaqua in Canada, in Ontario, Canada, in 1972. And uh, their leader, played by Alan Arkin, uh, takes them out on a little nature hike and they see a moose out in the wild. And they're just all kind of in awe of it. It's beautiful, saturated colors in that scene, too. Everything is just kind of hazy and hyper real and sort of... Kind of dreamlike. Dreamlike, yeah. Kind of not real. They see this moose out in the wild and, boy, there's nothing like a good moose. Yeah. (laughs) It's a very cool, like, little theme that runs throughout the movie. comes up a couple of different times. I really liked this. Yeah. And it's just that one scene before it cuts immediately to present day, which in this case is 1993. And we see all of the colors of the movie have sort of been drained out. Uh, Mm -hmm. It's it's almost black and white, though you can see reds and you can see a few blues here and there. But nothing. It's just barely there. All the colors are really, really desaturated. It's a little on the nose, maybe, (laughs) but it's like all the color has gone out of the life of these people is sort of the implication of what's going on. But it's also cool how they do that, though, because it starts, like you said, it starts out with that. And we, I told you something about this uh, when I was watching it. Like the coloring is really weird in the beginning part of the movie, but it does actually serve a good purpose. It does. Because it starts out with the, the dreamy. Uh, coloring muted like uh, like like a memory that plays in your head that you can't mm-hmm. quite remember exactly what everything looks like maybe yeah and then it goes like yeah the color drains back out of everybody and then it comes back when they get by the end yeah when well when they're when head, they get to when they get to the camp when they get to the camp it's um life sort of you know it's like hey yeah uh, this life has returned and they're they're met they're i mean it's hard to explain exactly what happens in that opening sequence. I mean, it's just visuals that Mm. you see, you don't really fully understand um, until later as the, as everybody getting ready to leave and meet back up again. Yeah. Yeah. And so you don't know exactly why, um, for example, Beth played by Diane Lane is putting a picture of a guy in, in the drawer and then running back in and putting it back out, you know, things like that. And, you know, Bill Paxton as Jack, you know, just kind of sitting on a bench with a cigarette, you know, <laughs> looking very cool. He's looking very young very cool. and attractive. I like his long hair. Yeah. Very different look for him that I've seen before. <laughs> yeah. I really. And OK, so Bill Paxton is one of those actors where in some movies he's he doesn't come across as as having much 
there going on for me for some reason. I, I don't know why that is. Um, but in this movie, I adore him. I think he's mm-hmm. so I really did too. so good in this movie. He's it's a deep performance. It feels like there's mm-hmm. a lot going on uh, throughout, yeah. and that it's in a lot of his movies. You know, it's not just this one. I, I think there are some performances of his where. I, I don't see much of that, but in this one, I definitely do, and I love that. Yeah, so we're introduced to yeah. a, our whole cast. Yeah, well, who's the rest of the cast? Because this cast is freaking this cast is freaking amazing, Brian. Yeah. Okay. So we've got um, so some of the other friends. We've got Elizabeth Perkins as Jennifer. She's she's an interesting character. She's sort of the I guess she's headstrong. She's pretty blunt. Yeah. You know exactly how she's feeling all the time, pretty much. You have Julie Warner as Kelly, who is married to uh, Vincent Spano, who plays Matt. And they are sort of this lovely couple. They're seen as sort of this lovely couple who... Uh, at first. At first, exactly. <laughs> uh, who, and that's the thing. that None of these characters end up being quite who we think we are when they are when we first see them. Yep. And that's one of the beauties of the movie is there's a lot of peeling back of the layers and getting to the heart of things as the movie goes on. Because at first it's very much a hangout movie. It's like you just met these people and you're hanging out with them on the first day of camp. Yeah. It feels very much like that. And then as you spend your time with them, you get to these deeper and deeper things. It's definitely one of those movies where it's like a group of old friends mm-hmm. comes back together and at first they have fun and they, they're reliving like being back at this camp again where they had so much fun as kids. But then they've they've grown up and they've they've changed and they've been through things and they've done things and mm-hmm. all that comes to the surface, yeah. sometimes in a good way, sometimes in a bad way. Right, right. Um, so, and then we have, uh, Matt Craven as Jamie, who has come to camp with his new fiance. Then that's the words that they use his new fiance as if it's like, like it's been his third or fourth, you know, and she's like 21, uh, played by, um, Kimberly Williams, uh, before the Paisley and before the father of the bride. Um, so she's, she's, she's Gwen. Wonderful as Gwen. Uh, she's so sweet. Who am I missing? Those that's oh Kevin Pollock as Brad. Kevin Pollock. is a little bit of a now he's Matt's cousin. He's a businessman. He's very uptight. We find out he was kind of a nerd as a, <laughs> as a kid in the camp, right? Maybe still kind of a nerd. Yeah, Sorry. yeah, <laughs> still way. kind of a nerd. Then when we get to camp, the first person we meet is. Uh, <laughs> Is now, the best now this, character this is the whole movie. <laughs> the, the one that everyone talks about too, who has seen this movie. How how can you not? Yeah, is uh, Sam Raimi. Yes, the director, yeah, Sam yeah. Raimi, the director of Evil Dead, plays Stick Coder <laughs> in this movie, and <laughs> it's yes, it's a comic relief part, but what a comic relief part! I know he doesn't say much. No. It's just all about his physicality, his face. Yeah. <laughs> He's just hilarious. He's hilarious. And so beautifully cast. I'm so glad that yeah. he did this movie. And he probably did it. You know, he may well have been a friend of Mike Bender, the director, you know, uh, is sort of the I young, mean, that that sort of school of independent filmmakers, you know, um, making making their, their movies around this time. 
Then we have Uncle Lou, played by Alan Arkin, like I already mentioned, meets them at, at the camp as well. And uh, he seems to be ready to just, as though they were still 10-year-olds, <laughs> yeah. have them do everything the way he's always done camp. And apparently, you know, he says in passing sort of that he invited like 30 people to come up and these seven or whatever it is are the, oh, he did? Are the yeah, are the ones that came. How did I miss that? I thought he had invited these people specifically. Well, he invited them the them because they were part of the golden age of of camp mm-hmm. of camp uh, Tamaqua. But as I recall, he does say just really quickly like I said in passing that he invited more people up and these were the ones that answered the call, the ones who seem to have the greatest connection with yeah. the place, you know. This was a pretty core group who was there, 72, 73. You know, they had been there a few summers um, back to back. And, you know, obviously there's some relation involved with some of these as well. Yeah, and, you know, Kevin Pollock's line, I think that's also so important as they approach the camp. My God, it's so tiny. You know, <laughs> everything just looks so small because when they were kids, it was huge to them. I, I do love that little, uh, I guess we'll talk about that later, but that was, that's a good little, uh, when Jennifer nugget of wisdom, yeah. uh, that comes up later. Yeah, absolutely. And so, uh, the first thing uncle Lou does when they get there is he splits them up into boys cabins <laughs> and girls cabins, the boys and the girls. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is, is great, you know, and then, and that's where you get a little hint, I think, of some of the characters, especially um, Jamie. Yeah, I almost said Matt. No, it's Jamie uh, when he's talking about Gwen. Yeah, and he's saying like, "Oh, it's like look at that, she's twenty one years old. You expect me to stay away from that for six nights?" I, I like, know, mm. I know. All right, I see what kind of guy you are now. It doesn't take long to pay. It doesn't take long to peg no. Jamie. Um, yeah. <laughs> Jamie, for me, is the one character of all of them that I just kind of end up not liking. And he doesn't really change. No. He he's doesn't the, seem like he it. He doesn't grow. He doesn't have any intention to either. Yeah. Uh, and I felt the same way, yeah. Which is, you know, which is okay in a movie like this. If you have a, if you have a character that doesn't grow, that's okay. I mean, and you have them... It's realistic. You have characters that grow at different rates, too. You have some that that change really fast and in really big ways. And then you have others that maybe just do something small that is important as well. So, and I really like that. And, you know, I I like how they're putting together in the, in the cabins and they're hanging out. It's like, this place wasn't always like this, was it? Did it always smell like urine? (laughs) So yeah, this this cabin always smelled like urine. That's how you could find it in the dark, you know? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I just I like the little part where uh, the the girls are like, "Why are all of our clothes wet?" <laughs> it's, it's from it's because the, it's from that great scene with Sam Raimi where he's trying to get all of their bags off of the boat onto the dock, and it just it goes on forever. Him like just stumbling and falling around and dropping the bags, and a great thing with his character throughout the whole movie is the way they play the the Hello Mudda Hello Hello Fada yeah. <laughs> uh, song whenever he's on. <laughs> Definitely. Great use of that song through this movie. Definitely. Especially at the end. I actually, and I really like the music in this movie. It's, yeah, I do too. It's sort of this, um, I mean, it's like folk instruments. It's the instruments that you would play at 
camps that someone might right. bring to camp. Like something with them. you would play around the campfire. Yeah, so there there's there's guitars and there's a fiddle are are really the main instruments that are going on with it. And it's just kind of fun and exuberant when it needs to be and sort of chill when it needs to be and not there at all when it needs to be. And I think that's really good use of music in it. Uh, sometimes it's maybe overused a little bit, but overall it's, I really like the score for this. Uh, and it's not a, it's not a big focus of the movie at all. It doesn't draw your attention all the time. It's just kind of there in, 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 a, in a nice way. So the first time we really get to hang out with everybody together is when they're getting stoned in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> kitchen raid. And we have, if there's a story. Kelly Kelly is eating out of that giant, the giant bucket of peanut, peanut butter. butter bucket. Now, this is where they start showing little touches of flashbacks. When I first watch this, when every time the flashbacks come on, I, I kind of go, ah. Do they, do they need to? But then, as I'm watching it, like when he's like when Jack is telling his boner story, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. you could tell because in the the voiceover, they're laughing. They're talking about it, it's sort of looking at it hilarious. But when they show the kid in the flashback, that kid is mortified. He is absolutely like this is the worst thing this that has ever happened to me. It's like revealing. It's technically yeah it's a super funny story but revealing the truth of what it actually felt like for the person yeah yeah and i think that's mortifying and i liked that more as i thought about it as the movie goes on because i'm not always a big fan of flashback sequences but here they seem to really play a greater role than they do in some movies and he's he's smiling when he's telling that story but it's like you can almost tell that there's a little bit of like Oh, God, that was, yeah, that was the worst thing that ever happened to me at that time. Especially when they show the kid actor, you know, who is just looks like this is, this is just awful. It's like, (laughs) but that's a great story. If I can find that story, maybe that's the one to drop in is just to drop that (laughs) story in because it's memorable and funny and awkward and, um, involves masking tape uh, <laughs> so um and kelly's story is, is one for the girls too yeah about how her first kiss at camp was when she had braces, right, had and braces and and she cut the other she cut the guy's lip yeah and again it's sort of that horror the the pictures the images of the kids are like this is horrifying this is the worst thing but as they're telling it they're laughing about it and it's an old cliche maybe it's like oh well i'll laugh about this later well right usually you will because i mean what else can you do (laughs) when it's something like that because you grow and you have those experiences again i mean you're gonna kiss someone else you're gonna have another boner (laughs) you know (laughs) um and and it's just not as horrifying any you know as you go through life in, in different But times. at the time. But at the time, it's just like, this is. It's the worst thing ever. Yeah. Yeah. My next note is them hanging out again, honestly, where they are at the breakfast table with Uncle Lou this time. And he's saying, you know, if they're. I like how it's. Wait, I like how it's Uncle Lou. It's Unka. And not, un- not Uncle. Yeah. It's Unka. It's Unka. Yeah. It's a cool little fun detail, um, mm-hmm. but you know the kind of showing some of his tricks of the trade. 
of how to make kids feel included. Like they put the names inside their shirt and he'd pull their, but even the new kids, he'd be able to put his hand on his shoulder and pull up the, the shirt collar and see their name inside their shirt collar. And then the whole thing, you know, if a kid was really kind of left out, uh, I would give him a super secret Indian name. And then Matthew asked, (laughs) Hey, I still remember mine. Do you remember it? Uncle Lou? And he says, yeah, your super secret Indian name was Thundering Cloud. And he goes, wow, yeah, that's amazing. And then Kevin Pollock's character says, I, I don't remember mine. Uh, do you remember it? He says, yes, your super secret Indian name was Thundering Cloud. <laughs> so it's just that those sort of funny camp tricks, teacher tricks that <laughs> come into They're just tricks of the trade, <laughs> you know, is yeah. what is, they really are. But... But Lou is still an incredibly sincere guy. He is. And I loved his character so much. He's very funny. Obviously, Alan mm-hmm. Arkin is, mm-hmm. is great at that stuff. Just like in little subtle ways. Yeah. But yeah, he's very sincere about what the camp means to him mm-hmm. and what it means to the kids and his connections and relationships with the kids. And you really felt that, like those little moments are funny. Like he was, yeah. he never did any of that kind of stuff to be. No. Nah insincere about it he's just he always that was his whole thing with the campus he wanted to give the kids a good time and make them feel good about themselves Uh and i think he seems like he did that yeah and there's a behind all the humor of the role there's a touch of melancholy going on the whole time and right at that breakfast scene is where we find out why it's because he's closing down the camp he invited them all up to spend his last week at the camp with them after 43 years man 43 years of you know every summer doing that and you know he talks later about why he needs to stop you know and it's not just financial it's there's more going on and i, and I think that's yeah. that's really really good and you know then he continually tries to recreate this camp experience with these people who are you know 30 years on from it you know 25 years on whatever 20 years on from it 20 years sorry giving them swimming lessons yeah. on the first day make sure you can swim make sure and tread you can water swim he tries to recreate the whole moose thing with them and they just the moose comes out and they're like all right thanks lou we're gonna go now and they just all leave that's cool i gotta go take a nap yeah yeah I mean, they're always wanting to sleep. They're always <laughs> wanting to go take naps. Uh, except that, That's what happens when you get older. Exactly. I know. <laughs> you know that. I do know that. My mom, <laughs> I'm going to be on vacation next week, and I can guarantee you there will be napping going on. But the moose thing, that's a good little moment, too, mm-hmm. in a way, just to kind of sh- show like what this movie has kind of been about. Because in that original scene with the moose when they were kids... Mm-hmm. It was all about the the awe and the inspiration and just sitting there and seeing nature and taking it all in. And it's the thing that comes up with, with Brad and him every, always thinking everything is a lot tinier than he remembers. It's it's losing that the imagination or the, the wonderment of being a kid. Yeah, very much that so. That seems to try to get back this week. Yeah, and Lou is more interested in than in getting them to connect with that again, that they are themselves, at least at first. They don't see it at first. No. I think they do later on. I do too. I love how, you know, why everyone really showed up starts to slowly get revealed after that first act, you know. Jenny sitting on the archery range saying, I want to... That's another great line that I loved. Yes. Isn't it a great line? It's like, I want to be a kid again. I was good at being a kid. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. 
that hit me for some reason. I was like, that's so fucking true. <laughs> yeah. Because before that, I think, is where we have the whole, where we find out with Kelly and Matthew that where she just randomly says, have you fallen out of love with me? And it's so sad. And mm-hmm. and he says something like, uh, we're here to relax. And she says, no, we're up here to straighten things out. It's tough, you know, because obviously Kelly and Jen are really close friends. But then Matt had a relationship with Jennifer when they were younger. Mm-hmm. And there's there's a little bit of that romantic tension between them, even though they've been apart. And she's single and lonely. And his marriage is, there's not much spark there at the moment, which you know, is part of life too, I suppose. So it's just those cycles of life and... But this doesn't turn into a big, like, an affair movie or something like that. That's yeah. not that's not what's going on, um, though. Almost. Almost. And, and it's because you can see the because that line where Jenny says I was good at being a kid is where Matt is talking to her. They you can you can just the, the you can feel them getting you closer. Feel it. Yeah. It's, Rekindling something. Yeah. Now, the movie, it moves quickly. I mean, there's it's, it it's really episodic. But it's just kind of one thing to the next. There's not um, it, there's not a big sense of time because all of a sudden they're back in their cabins and then Jack and <laughs> and I think Jamie or Matt come in and they say, hey, we're going to sneak out, you know, <laughs> that whole kind of thing. And and they do. And they sort of I like how in these earlier scenes too, how much the guys are just acting like kids again <laughs> right away. It's so They're short sheeting uh, they, the bed and that sort of thing. Yeah. They, they bring up in the, the swimming lesson scene, mm-hmm. um, something about a, a Shrek, a camp Shrek. Yeah. It was just what they called just like playing pranks or tricks on each other. Yeah. <laughs> Which apparently like Brad is like so proud of himself that he was like the king of the Shrek and then the guys are just I love how the other guys like Bill Paxton and them are just like fucking with him <laughs> all at the beginning of this and <laughs> yeah that scene where like they put the toothpaste in his sheets or whatever <laughs> they're just in their beds like waiting like just giggling yeah. like little kids and it's I think it's so sweet because it is <laughs> you know sometimes you the- need those moments sometimes you need those moments like that where you can just go back and just have goofy fun for sure as a kid for sure well i mean i was in boy scouts when i was a kid so we did shit mm. like that all the time yeah. <laughs> you know <laughs> i mean there we there was all sorts of crazy stuff that we would do to each other so that's kind of fun and nostalgic to see and you know i haven't exactly pulled any of those kinds of tricks to that level on my kids but i do things kind of like that yeah (laughs) (laughs) when we're when we're on vacation i'll I'll mess with them a little bit in a fun way like that nothing nothing i'm not going to put their hand in hot water because i would have to clean up the mess but um (laughs) oh god my parents did stuff like that to me yeah (laughs) but it was fun i didn't care (laughs) yeah i also like the little um go ahead oh i was just gonna say intermixed with the humor of it is it kind of swings back and forth between lots of fun and and the more serious deep kinds of things that they are mm-hmm. really there for so the tones shift nicely though it feels natural to me but i feel like you were going in a in a different direction than that so i no, I, no it's a similar kind of thing yeah. um i like how it it kind of just shows little hints of like of why they're like you're saying like why they're there mm-hmm. um jack is always digging, digging out by one mm-hmm. of the cabins for some reason mm-hmm. when beth first comes in 
when uh, Kelly and Jennifer uh, see her that she's arrived and they have a little conversation like, oh, she's so strong for being here. Like, yeah. See? And she but she, Beth, when she's running up, she's so excited. She's like, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so excited about this. And but they obviously know, like, I don't know if we have, have we found out about I her husband yet. By this point, I don't remember. I don't think so. I don't think so. I mean, but everybody knows. Every, everybody knows. Everybody at the camp knows. And they're all so surprised that she's there. And uh, Diane Lane is so sweet in this movie. She really is. So they've, they've snuck out now. And Jack and Beth, they have that conversation mm-hmm. there where we find out something kind of disturbing about Lou. But this, this sets the scene for so much of what is going to be worked out as the movie goes on. Jack got kicked out of camp when he was, you know, in, in one of the summers they were there. Lou just put him in a boat and sent him home. And That's why they're all surprised that he showed that he up even showed in the up. first place. Mm-hmm. But he says, have you ever heard the Sam Grover story? She's like, no, I have not heard that. And he said, well, it was Lou had hired a counselor named Sam Grover and he went to meet him at the bus station. And when he got off the bus, he was black. And so he gave him bus fare and his first week's wages and sent him home. And Jack called him out on it. He said, you can't pull all this all men are equal crap on us and then do something like that. And then he says, I took something that meant something to him and he kicked me out. Jack essentially says I forced his hand, but do me a favor, folks. Don't hate Lou just yet. Um, no, don't hate Lou. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we've, we've got more to talk about. Um, and if you've seen the movie and I hope you will, and I hope if this isn't a big spoilery movie either. I mean, there are things about it that we're going to say that are, I guess, spoilers, but they're not meant as twists or big surprises. They just sort of are revelations that occur quietly and slowly during this movie. It's, it's a movie for me that really sneaks up on you. It does. Because at first I'm kind of like, oh, they're just hanging out. One of those kinds of movies. And then, but I'm kind of engaged with what they're saying and how they're interacting. And then pretty soon. Seeing where it all goes. Yeah. You just see where it all goes. And you're like, that's just a nice movie. <laughs> that's just a yeah. really good little movie. It's just a feeling that I got from it when I first watched it. Like, oh, this is, I love those, the love, love the nostalgia. I always kind of like those stories of like old friends getting together for some reason. It's always like a nice thing and then reminiscing and, and having fun like kids, like I said before, but yeah, it's just, it's a really, these are good characters, good people for the most part. Yeah. <laughs> Except for Jamie. Jamie. <laughs> I don't know. I, just, I, I got a really good, like feel good feeling from this movie. Right now at the same time as they're sort of snuck off and they're split off into these different groups, um, Jen and Matthew are hanging out in a cabin where they apparently used to uh, make out when they were campers. And um, they're just about to kiss, (laughs) just about to kiss. And Lou walks in on them, says, yeah, did you know this used to be the fishing cabin? And yeah, walk in here, it just smells like fish guts. Fish guts everywhere. Makes you want to puke. <laughs> so funny. It's very, you know, it's very much one of those, again, sort of camp counselor tools that is, you don't call them out. You don't get mad at them. You just sort of make them sick. <laughs> you know, Am I interrupting something? I interrupt some, yeah. It's, what are you guys doing in here? <laughs> because he. I think Lou is perceptive enough to know that oh, totally. Matthew doesn't really want to ruin his marriage and Jennifer doesn't really want to ruin it either. But he sees something between them. He does. And he's does it. He stops it in his own way. Yeah. <laughs> a really funny way. And it's a nice scene. It's funny. It's sweet. It's 
and the thing is, Jen and Matthew kind of both know it. You know, they're 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 old enough oh, yeah. to be wise to what he's doing. And this is pretty soon here. I mean, it's just, again, the days keep going by because the next part that I have here is we find out why Beth is there. You know, she's like throwing logs onto a fire and Jack comes and says, asks why she showed up. And she says, because I wanted to be sad. And we find out that her husband died in just a freak car accident on his way yeah. to his shift at the hospital and oh that story she tells oh it's so sad and it's i mean yeah. you, you kind of feel bad for everyone involved you feel bad for you know the high school kid who who caused yeah. it and her and her husband and all of these people involved in this little incident that just completely changed the course of lives and her husband was rick Another kid who had been at the camp. Yes. That scene is, is just really moving. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but I also like the scene is good. Even though he uh, this is where makes he, the wrong, de- he, makes the wrong he decision does. He does. in this moment. There is, you can tell there's a little bit of a growing thing between Beth and Jack that I really like. And in an earlier scene when, um, I think it was her and Jennifer are out there in the morning drinking coffee. Yeah, and, and they're Jack's watching like. Him. Jack's like going crazy, like jumping off of some, I don't know, some tower into the lake the or whatever. Tower, They're having yeah. a really cute little scenes where you can see that Beth sees something in him that nobody else is seeing yet. Yeah. And that's a good scene. And, you know, Jack had been kind of told that Beth was interested. And so he makes a, makes a move, which was just completely the wrong time to nah, do wrong it. Time. And, and she's she's. No, stop. And to his credit, he stops and he walks and he mm-hmm. says, okay, I'm just, I'm just going to sit over here. He's not mad. He's embarrassed. I think, you know, mm-hmm. he doesn't want to put her in an odd situation. You know, that's not his intention, but obviously it's the wrong choice and he knows it. And that's another thing this movie does is it gives the people a chance to screw up and to fix it and to change and to grow. Yeah. Because you see that between Matt and Jennifer, you know, with their almost kissing, you know, and then sort mm-hmm. of realizing themselves. You see it here with uh, with Jack, because I, I think he he knows he's a good looking guy and <laughs> probably <Sure>. has made <laughs> that probably has made a move like that on a girl before. And it was fine. But this was just not the time. And he's willing to say, yeah, OK, I'm, you're right. I'm wrong. And for her, it, I think it's a thing, maybe not actually just kissing but just um she's not ready yet to even feel those feelings for another person is really the the deeper thing i think she's bothered by the fact that she does yes yeah which is understandable guilty i could feel feels guilty mm -hmm. for wanting to move on sure because i mean it's been and she's like she even says it's been a year it's been a year and i know that i should be not feeling like this anymore it's like well who says who says that you shouldn't be feel like that anymore and if they are saying that to you, they're wrong. You can feel how yes. you feel. As long as you need to. Yeah. yeah. That's something that you don't just get over. Grief has no timeline. That's yeah. That's hard. Yeah. Just nice stuff. Um, now, one of my favorites. <laughs> a couple of my favorite scenes right here is where uh, Jen and Brad go out to that dam. Yes. Look how tiny this is. I don't remember being this small. I remember it being huge. Brad, do you think Matt and Kelly are happy? Yeah, yeah, they're happy. They're fine. 
I just, you know, this is always like a mountain to me, you know? Like, like a big dam, like the one in Vegas. Huge. Yeah, but do you think he still loves her? You don't still have a thing for him, do you? For Matt? Yeah. What, like 20 years later? Down there. What do you do, get bit by something? Yeah, well, good, because he's definitely married. Happy, I don't know, but he is good and married, Jennifer. I just can't get over how small this is. It is completely tiny. Tiny, tiny, tiny. All right, enough already with the tiny talk, Brad, okay? The dam did not get smaller. It did not. You know, I'm just saying, to me, it definitely got small. It's the same size it always was, okay? Nothing has gotten smaller. The dam, the camp, the lake, they have not shrunk. We have gotten bigger. Everything else has stayed the same size. You have grown. Deal with it. Jeez. And he's just going on and saying, man, this is so tiny. And, you know, and, and then Jennifer. Which he said about like. Everything. everything he says that about the boats mm-hmm. uh when they're on the sailboats earlier and just everything is so much tinier so much smaller than he remembers everything he remembered everything being so so much bigger when he was a kid yeah i love how she, and just the way she just blows up at him and states the obvious that he already knows sure he he's not a moron he knows this is the case but you know we have gotten bigger everything else is the same size you have grown Deal with it. Uh, the way she says deal with it there is. Yeah. And she feels bad for saying that. But I mean, it's the truth. And like, yeah, like you said, he he knows it. Mm-hmm. But he's it feels like with him saying that again, kind of wanting to to be a kid again. And like, at least for the week that they're up there, like shirking their adult responsibilities, right. you know, <laughs> I think Brad admits as much as that she's right too oh yeah yeah and he knows it yeah it's and that's the conflicts are not unmendable except for one um (laughs) the one that should be rightfully the one that rightfully should should be unmendable um which is another favorite scene that's coming up here yeah um so there and it just shows that they are grown-ups that they are these are actually mature people who are occasionally behaving like kids I think mm-hmm. there's a sense of that reminder, which is sort of like the opposite of what happens in Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead. I mean, she has to act yeah, like a, <laughs> she has to act like a mature person who's constantly reminded that, you know, you don't really have to. You're still a teenager, you know, That's true. and it's one of the beautiful things about that movie. So it's these these sort of pair well together in that sense. That's true. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I didn't either until just now. So. <laughs> But that meal scene where Matt brings up, you know, what if someone else took over the camp? And Kelly's kind of like, what, what? No, no. (laughs) You know, and Lou is saying that could happen. You know, he's not trying. He doesn't seem to be trying to pressure anybody to take over the camp. It's like that doesn't seem to be. He kind of wants to. Yeah, I think he wants. I think so. He wants people, someone to take it over. He wants someone Mm -hmm. to continue it. But I don't think he's necessarily expecting it to happen you know he understands that these people have lives too or do you think maybe subconsciously that's one of the reasons why he invited them there in the first oh, place i think so i think there's at least subconsciously it's there yeah. to try and get them some 
someone from this crew to fall in love with the camps again. Yeah. Um, it feels like like these were his favorite people. Yeah. The ones know, he would most that, like to have. The, the one, yeah, exactly. The ones that he would want to. Uh, that's why he's trying to recreate all their camp experiences right. with the Tamaquathon and yeah. just doing everything the same as when they were kids. Totally. Yeah. And uh, But maybe he just doesn't know. I think he, he wants maybe one of them to do it, but he doesn't know exactly who yet. Right. Yeah, I think that's probably And I think it's true. perfect who ends up actually doing it. <laughs> well, of course. Uh, but Matt actually genuinely seems interested. Gwen even mentioned something about it earlier, mm-hmm. you know, to Jamie about, hey, wh- what if we did this? And Jamie totally flubs it off. Well, they have an interesting scene, too. I think that's the, the okay, it's building up to this uh, other dinner scene. Mm-hmm. There was something when um, they were all first coming to the camp and Jamie had apparently given Gwen a welcome to camp present. And it's a bikini. Yeah. And it's a tiny little bikini. <laughs> And then also there's a scene where um, they had gone to a cabin to have sex and they have the whole conversation about because she is asking him about kids. Right. And he's just like a total dude in the moment. And it's like, I like my life the way it is. Don't even don't even think about that. No, I don't want kids. Yeah. We're not doing that. Mm-hmm. But we'll come back to the cabin later and have sex again because that's that's what we do. Pretty much all you're good for is <laughs> what it kind of feels like he's saying. It does. It does. Right. And well, that's. He pretty much says that in this dinner scene yes. where he says to her, she's because she tries to speak up about it, about what Matt is talking about, about someone taking over the camp. And Jamie and says she's being genuine, she's being and genuine and um, sweet and like, yeah, you and Jamie should totally do it because the kids would love you. You'd be great at this because this is where we get to see beyond who we think this Gwen is. You know, this mm-hmm. is the first time where we really see her do something. And because Jamie says, just sit there and look pretty. Oh, no, he didn't. It is the, <laughs> uh. it is, I mean, and you could just feel everyone at that table. Matthew, <laughs> Jack, Lou, definitely all the women. Oh, yeah. Like, what a fucking asshole. Yeah. And. But I love. Her response is so good. And just, uh, excuse me, Uncle Lou. Fuck you, Jamie. <laughs> yes. And they're all like, yes, girl. <laughs> yeah. Because, I mean, none of them even flinch. They're all like, yeah. <laughs> Good job. <laughs> love it. I love it. And then uh, we, they're all hanging out on the dock. Well, still in that scene, isn't oh, it? Um, yeah, 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 yeah. There's, yeah. Um, it's never he talks about how it, what's different is his relationship with the kids. Or is that in the earlier one? Um, I'm not sure. And that might even be later because I because he talks about he how he doesn't understand how he can't understand kids that always have a Walkman in their ear. (laughs) And then the next shot is Jack with his Walkman on. (laughs) Oh, yeah. But in this that dinner scene, there is I like his little line. It's just like a little throwaway thing where um, he's saying, oh, it's not a big deal. Maybe if the camp closes kind of he says it's just a bunch of old cabins, just a bunch of old cabins. Yes. And you're like, no, it's not Lou. (laughs) That line comes back and that line comes back uh, at the end. That's an important line. Yeah. But this scene where they're all hanging out on the dock by the lake and (laughs) uh, Gwen comes paddling up in a canoe. Yes. And um, she's she's naked. (laughs) (laughs) She's at least topless. Yeah. Yeah, She gives uh, Jamie back his present. I think they're implying that she's naked. And and Jack and... (laughs) Jack and Matthew were kind of speechless. 
<laughs> which is yeah. funny. I mean, they're they're kind of, I mean, they're trying not to be like leery jerks, but at the same time, it's like, um, Kimberly Williams is lovely. Uh, <laughs> she is <laughs> quite lovely. Um, I think they're also kind of uh, they like her, and that's exactly what in that moment Jenny says. You know, yeah. she says, "I like her. I like her a lot." <laughs> Yeah, because it's it's pretty much a whole fuck you to Jamie. We are over and I am more than you think I am. I am. You need to. He needs to learn not to overwind his toys. Yeah, that's that was an interesting line. I've never heard it put like that before. That line was just like it's it cuts in the best way, Mm -hmm. I think. And it's very it's a very strong line. It's, it's a, obviously it's a writer's line. You know, it's one of those lines that the writer goes, Oh yeah. (laughs) But like you would never think of saying that in real life. No, but at the same time, it's just kind of perfect. And it shows us that this character who is kind of introduced as being not as smart as we find out she really is. I mean, that's the way she's introduced because she's kind of introduced as Jamie's new fiance. Hot new yeah, fiance. Yeah, yeah, hot young. And all the girls mm-hmm. are jealous when they, they, they are. show, when she shows them the bikini and they're like, I'm just so mad at like how good you're going to look in that. Yeah. And uh, doesn't Brad have a line later on? Is it them where uh, they're like running in the morning one time and he says, we need to think of a way to kill them because <laughs> they're <laughs> yeah, all just like so we run jealous. three miles a day before a morning as a warm-up yeah. for a morning workout it's like we need to find a way to kill them um, <laughs> it's an uh, this is the part where i you see just again these layers are being peeled back you are introduced to who these characters really are slowly and over time, and it, it's not instantaneous. You don't know everything you need to know about them in one scene. You know everything over the course of the whole film. Uh, and it's not a long film or anything, yeah, but average. you just need to be willing to watch the layers come away. Now, after that is, is that where, is it Matt goes in and he starts painting the mural? Yeah. Yeah. So he paints the mural with, you know, Captain America and all these different comic book characters. It's a really cool thing that he does in there. It's like in one of the cabins. Is that in like the banquet hall or something like that? I, I can't remember exactly. I, don't, I couldn't tell where that was yeah. exactly that he was doing that. But he, there was a thing in the, the cabin from when they were kids. Like he had, they called themselves, I guess, the superheroes. Mm-hmm. All the guys did. And he had done a thing of Spider-Man. Spider-Man yeah. And I found yeah. it interesting that, you know, he's this artist and Jack says he runs an art gallery. At one yeah. point, it's, it's sort of a weird uh, thing. There's a moment, I think it's uh, in here too, just a really quick little thing of Jennifer is standing in front of this mirror that's on the outside mm-hmm. of one of the buildings. This mirror is clean, are you? Yeah. yeah. That was really cool. I don't yeah. know what that was, but. <laughs> I think you have these elements of, these wonderful elements of the characters interacting together, but then you also have these lovely moments where they're alone. The individual moments with themselves, sure. And it's takes, I think it takes guts for a filmmaker to let characters be alone with themselves. It doesn't happen as much as you would think it would. Where there's no voiceover, it's just looking and being mm-hmm being reflective yeah and like, that happens here uh-huh. yeah that happens a lot in this movie 
where characters mm-hmm. are allowed to be alone and just be. And it's refreshing and it's, I don't know, there's something kind of spiritual about it, <laughs> for lack of a better term. Anyway. Or self-reflective, you know, just like looking in that mirror. Mm-hmm. And it, I think it's after that where she, where Jennifer goes to Kelly and says, I'm not trying to steal Matt from you. I'm just lonely. Yeah. And that's all there is to it. And it's, you feel when you're intensely remembering like this, I think you intensely remember some of those feelings that you had for people that you don't have anymore. Uh, still, you know, I think that would happen. I think that's a very sure. real thing. Um, but I'm really glad it doesn't turn into that movie, you know, sure. that affair yeah. movie. I, I think that would kind of cheapen it. And that Kelly's not really mad at her, but mm-hmm. she just knows that there's stuff between her and Matt that if they actually talk about it, that they can work through it. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. This comes up in the uh, the boxing thing yeah later on yeah which is great and um you know then you know, there's things like the tamaquathon where we have mm-hmm. the biggest group racing and and you, you kind of get in beth's mind how she she beat jamie i think in in a previous in when they were kids but this time she loses and it's just kind of heartbreaking like let her win asshole <laughs> she needs to win something i think that's right. that's where she's at in that moment like you can see yeah you can see her in that scene where mm. she's running she's like she's pushing herself so hard physically and mentally yeah it's not through there's no dialogue there's no i'm pushing myself there's no voice sure. it's just you just can feel you can feel the stitch in her side you can feel the mental exertion that's happening in all of this and physical it's it's very powerful. And then Jack sits that one out, but then he does it again on his own. Mm-hmm. And Lou says, you know, if you had run it, you would have won. You would have beat Jamie's time. He's not in it to beat anybody but himself, yeah. I think. I think it's all about beating himself and he wants to be better himself. He's not that kind of guy. No. Jamie is. Jamie is. Yeah. And sure. this is where we find out what happened with Lou and Sam and Sam and and the story is true he did do that to Sam but then he says I I shouldn't have sent him home I should have had him I just thought I was I thought I was helping him by not having him come to a place where he would be you know the only black the only black person person in a camp full of white kids and but I because when was that in the early 70s 50s Oh, it would have been it would have been the late it would have been the 60s that that scene took place, I think. And then he says, if I could pick one day to do different, I'd pick that one. And I think that is partially where the melancholy in Arkin's performance comes from. It's not just the camps closing. It's not just, you know, this is my whole life. It's also that one day I think is in him still that one regret that you can't really take back or make right yeah because i mean he doesn't have any way of knowing anything about what happened to sam grover you know probably not no it's impossible i wonder if i wonder if he would have checked up on him afterwards or something i don't know right maybe by the time he really started to regret it it was too late it was too late and there was just no way to find him there are things like that that are just the case in life where you sure. know you can't take it back. You can't change it. You just have to live with it. And that is hard. That is that is just, it's part of life. But I think all of us can name one thing 
somewhere, probably, that still sticks in our brain. (laughs) Anyway, then we have that fight between Matthew and Jamie. (laughs) And and this is where Lou says, all right, let's take it in the ring, boys. (laughs) Because... Jamie, again, is being a dick right. with Gwen mm-hmm. and like kind of roughing her up a little bit or trying to in front of everybody. And Matt is like, stop, dude. What are you doing? Yeah. And it's really. Why is Jamie just bad? I, it, why can't they give him anything good about him? I don't like him. <laughs> it's really nice to see Matthew kick his ass. Yeah. I It's 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 good. And I, I think I it's think good. as the audience were we're happy for it. I do wish there was some redeeming element to Jamie in the movie Mm because there's a redeeming element to everybody except for him, really. Uh, He doesn't seem to express any regret. He doesn't seem to. He just is like, I'm just going to go home and find someone else that is not going to put up a fight. I don't know. It's it's hard to have a thoroughly unlikable character in a movie like this. Yeah. Um, but maybe there's realism in that and yeah somebody recognizing that maybe they can't change and just accepting that about themselves yeah i think that's probably true <laughs> right okay you should feel very good about yourself terrific get back in there come on come on matt get up, up. you can do it come on 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 come Seven. Up we go. Good boy. Get in there. All right, kick his ass, Matt. Oh, that's great, Gwen. Yes! Come on, honey. Yes! Right. That's it. There you go. Yes! Get in, Matt. Matt. Go! That's it! Yes, get him! You got it! Yeah! We got a winner. Yeah, I, I, I like to think that this is a good uh, scene. Um, yeah, when uh, when Gwen says, "Can like kick his ass, man." <laughs> yeah, she takes the gloves off of Jamie and puts them on herself and starts punching Matthew. No, Gwen. When oh, they're outside of the ring. Oh, Gwen. That, I'm, I'm sorry. You're Matt yeah, to yeah, kick, yeah, yeah. kick Jamie's ass, and he's like, "Thanks, honey," and then gets punched. Right. It's like, well, uh, sorry, dude. Yeah. You kind of brought that on yourself. Totally. Yeah. She's she's all for Gwen is into it. Him getting getting mm-hmm. uh, getting bloodied and <laughs> and knocked out. Um. And I love Lou's really really fast countdown. Yeah. Ten, nine, eight, seven, five, three, one. Okay. <laughs> but oh we, yeah. the part that we had min- not mentioned before another one of those little moments with sam raimi again <laughs> oh, talking gosh, about the boxing yeah. talking about the boxing ring <laughs> there's a part where the, <laughs> all the the guys are just like walking by the boxing ring and lou and stick are in there he's saying that he's trying to teach stick how to fight but he really just, just like he holds his arms up lou punches him in the face and he goes, and it goes down, down. yeah <laughs> And then as they leave, he does it again. And he just, the way they, they play it, it's, oh, that is, that is one of the funniest moments. Sam Raimi is a terrific comedic actor. He's very Buster Keaton in it. Yeah, you know? it is, his physical comedy, yeah. totally. Yeah, it's very Buster Keaton. I mean, I guess we think of, you know, like Bruce Campbell in front of Raimi's camera being the one mm. to do that. But uh, Raimi's definitely capable of it. He's got some of it too, yeah. for sure. Yeah. <laughs> um, so anyway, that. After Jamie gets knocked out, no, a technical knockout, that's when Kelly jumps into the ring and takes 
his gloves and and starts fighting, you know, sort of just jabbing at Matthew and saying, you know, come on, you're going to deal with me right now. You can't ignore me any anymore. Here we are. We're in the ring. We're we're here together right here right now. It's just kind of a beautiful scene. It's yeah. it's funny and it's touching and it's like just goddamn it listen to me. Will you? Will you talk to me? Talk to me yeah. is what she's saying, she's, really. Yeah. And it's like I don't think she's really mad mm. necessarily about him and Jennifer. No, he's not. She's not. No, I don't think I so. I don't either. think so. She I think she <clears throat> understands it, you know, in a, a weird little way just because they've been having problems that yeah. something like that probably would happen, but they still obviously care for each other and they could mm. work it out if yeah, like she says in the scene, if they just talk. Yeah just actually confront their issues which is what she's forcing him to do in this scene yes and there's this great little music cue because it kind of because he's like okay sure yeah and there's a the music kind of starts up and she punches him in the nose and the music stops and i love that little moment it's just yeah. it's funny <laughs> and it's really uh, well timed and it gives a perfect sense of you know hey she got her her jab in that she deserved to be able to take. Yes. Um, it's wonderfully nice. And then uh, Jack finally digs up what he was looking for, which uh, we see is a trophy, mm-hmm. a boxing trophy. And it's the... It, is that what it was? Okay. Yeah, it's a, box, it it's was. a boxing trophy that he stole from Lou. Um, okay. So, and then there's that scene on the dock. Now, this is an interesting scene between Lou and Beth because he tells his story... About oh, how this yeah, yeah. this guy who used to own the campground or something like that died and wanted to be dumped in the lake. And the woman, his wife was standing there on the shore watching. And then 15 years... Told in, yeah. told in um, little weird little flashbacks. It's told in weird flashbacks, yeah. That kind of, that kind of show that maybe he's not telling the truth. <laughs> because Diane Lane is playing the guy's wife yeah. in that scene, isn't she? Yeah, yeah I, I think so. And... Um, and she's just standing on there and, and 15 years later we had, she died and we dumped her in the lake too. It took us forever to find the place and because he, she just was waiting around to be with him again. And there's a sense here where and she's like, you made that up, didn't you Lou? <laughs> and she knows it. Uh, and he's, yeah, and he, he doesn't admit to it. He doesn't admit to it, but it also, he doesn't have to No, There's a <laughs> sense to that where, these memories and these stories that we're hearing, are they completely reliable? Because it's shot in the same style of flashback as all the other flashbacks. And I think there's just sort of that fuzzy haziness of memory. You know, our nostalgia may not really be all that we think it was. You know, sometimes we put on the rose colored glasses toward the past. Sure. Whereas the reality was something different, was something, maybe it was better, maybe it was worse, but we put on a different, we don't, we can't ever see it or experience it the way it really was again. Sure. So exactly. there's a sense of, so live it and appreciate it now. And I think that applies to, you know, Beth's character He's not telling her to move on and get over it. That's not what he's saying, I don't think. I think he's saying don't get stuck. Don't get stuck. Don't let your what your life could be now get lost because because of your grief. Mm-hmm. And it's done beautifully again. 
I mean, there's so much of this movie that's done beautifully. In his Lou way, yeah. 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 Just him being very per- perceptive about the people and... Yeah, and kind of a bullshitter. Impart, imparting <laughs> his, his wisdom in his own way, yeah. Yeah. Again, I mean, especially with someone like... Here's where we see Lou and we we know that, that Lou did this bad thing in his past and has grown. We know that Jack did these things in his past and has grown. Everyone, they've had these experiences and they're given a chance to grow and make mistakes and be different now than they were and not be defined by their screw ups or by their or defined by their losses. And I think that's kind of what the movie's getting at. We don't need to be you don't need to be defined by what has happened to you or what you have experienced or what you have done. You can be defined by what you are, what you want to be going forward from here or or whatever that's i mean that sounds maybe a little corny and the and the theme the theme isn't beaten over your head you're sort of brought to just this place of feeling you know of being able to uh, stand up and move on and dust yourself off nobody ever has to say those Mm -hmm. words specifically but that is definitely the feeling that you get from all of their stories yeah and with jack it's like a, a chance to make something right that he made wrong in the past, you know, um, by stealing that trophy and um, out of spite. And then, Mm -hmm. but I think it's important too that uh, even before Lou admitted that what he did was wrong uh, in the past, Jack was trying to find that trophy. Oh yeah. Because one thing he had said earlier about why he came back was to make amends. Yeah. And that was it, obviously. That was it. (laughs) Because... Okay, Uncle Lou clearly had a massive and profound effect on every single one of these people. Except maybe for Jamie, because Jamie didn't seem to learn his lesson. <laughs> so yeah. um, and we're pretty much at the end here. Where Yeah, the dance scene I like, too, yes. uh, between Gwyn and Stick. <laughs> the look on Sam Raimi's face just kind of looks over at Jamie. It's a little bit creepy. Like, do you but... want to dance? If he, or she, she says to him, like, do you want to dance? I think it'll make shithead over there jealous if you don't mind. And he just goes, I don't mind. <laughs> yeah. And so he kind of plays it up to make to make him a little yeah. more jealous. I love it. Yeah, I love it. And uh, that little apology on the dock as they're leaving, when Matthew takes Lou aside and says, I'm sorry, I, I know I said that I might take over the camp, but... You know, Kelly and I, we we got work to do and, and we really want to do that. And he's like, ah, no, no, things will work out. Because I think Lou knows at this point. Yeah, I think so, too. Who really wants to mm-hmm. and who he really wants to take over the camp. I think so, too. He's figured it out over the course of the week and yeah. getting to know who these people are now and what the kind of person they're looking forward to be yeah. m- moving on. I think he sees it. Yeah, because the others in the boat are all ready to go, and there's some people missing. And yeah, so Jack and Beth are not there because they're out watching the moose. I like that. That's a perfect moment too when uh, he comes up to them and he, uh, Jack just says, "Shh, like there's a moose. Like it goes right back to the beginning of like the the awe of them seeing the moose and nature, the wonder of it. I love it. Yeah, yeah." And he gives them the camp because he said, ah, it's not mm-hmm. worth anything. It's just a bunch of old cabins, at least on paper. And that, he, and I like the closing shot because we see this new group of campers come up and it's just this diverse group of campers. 
you know, mm-hmm. there's, there's, um, black kids and Asian kids and white kids and, you know, just all this, this group that it's like, not only has, have these characters grown, the camp itself has grown, uh, which I find to be kind of a subtle, uh, beautiful little moment to close the movie with. Yeah. It's just a loveliness movie that kind of gives me the warm fuzzies. I mean, I know. It's, yeah, it's, it makes me feel fuzzy inside. It's not <laughs> extremely substantive, but it's one that... It's not over... Yeah, it's not... Yeah overly sentimental either no it's it's like just the perfect amount yeah in a way yeah it's not saccharine so much no it's it's feels real um but people have real emotions you know and people feel real things so i i like that it taps into that it's not detached from that a small beautiful just lovely little movie and it's one that i can put on a lot and just let play and just kind of feel good about. Yeah. I was so happy to watch this. I'm, I'm glad you picked this. This was a good movie to discover. Good. Good. I'm glad that you liked it. I'm never very much, it's, very much. It did. Whenever, whenever you introduce a movie to someone, you just never know how it's going to go. Right? <laughs> um, it's like, we've liked a lot of the same movies, <laughs> um, maybe on different levels of liking it. You know, you, mm-hmm. you'll like one more. Or I'll like one more natural. Fine. But, um, we haven't luckily had one of those moments where one of us has brought a movie. It's like, I hate this movie. You know, <laughs> yeah. we haven't gotten there. So that's good. But, um, you not know, yet. Not yet. Dun, dun, that's going to, that's going to happen. That's going to be a fireworks episode whenever that is. I don't think that will happen. Yeah. Though. We'll see. <laughs> as much fun as it would be, honestly. Yeah. I think it would, I think it I would be. I don't it's know like, if it would happen. why do you like this movie? I have no idea. That would be an interesting, uh, that would be an interesting thing to <laughs> encounter. Sure. And who knows? We might, we might, who knows? Maybe Make you'll, maybe you'll hate some of something that I'm introducing coming up, but we'll see. Anyway. Uh, oh, I didn't say how hot Diane Lane was. Oh. <laughs> she is, You're right? just going to have to mention that, Anthony. Can, can we just, <laughs> quick note, how hot is Diane Lane? She is, though. She is. God. Now, she's in- Did you watch Straight to Fire yet? No. No, I haven't because I've been- Bro. I've been watching <laughs> Maximum Overdrive and, <laughs> and Black Sunday. Okay. All right. And All right. Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead in Indian Summer. <laughs> Oh yeah, and I well, and Spartacus. Have... You chose to watch Spartacus. I you did choose been watching Streets of Fire. I did choose to watch Spartacus. Now Spartacus <laughs> is a movie that is credited as being directed by Stanley Kubrick, so that's why I watched. Fine, I'm telling you though, from what I know about you, I have a very very strong feeling that you're gonna fucking love this movie. <laughs> I'm sure I will. It's been on my list. All right, so. uh yeah, so I really enjoy Indian Summer. I think it's a great film, and or a really good film. I mean, it's not a great film. I mean, that's <laughs> that's it's great in its way. It's great sure. in its way. It's 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 a very enjoyable movie. That really glad it was introduced to me. It feels like a cult movie that you can sort of pass on to people, and the people who are in the know can laugh about you know masking tape and and different <laughs> things like that. Yeah. Um. So it's a fun movie, but hey. It is. T- I think it's a similar thing with my movie now too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> People that are in the know about "Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead" know how freaking awesome this movie is, and I'm glad you liked it too when you watched it because it feels like of a certain time, of a it certain is. age that you had to fall in love with it, yeah, to really appreciate it and love it. But that obviously wasn't the case. You loved it, right? Yeah, I like it a lot. Let's, <laughs> you yeah. know, I mean, I think it's, I think it's like, I don't know if. 
five star love it is is what I'm going for. But I really <laughs> enjoy it. I think I connect with myself at that age when I watch mm-hmm. it. You know, because sure. uh, in 1991 I would have been, uh, I guess, 13. So I remember the previews. I don't know why in the hell I never saw this movie. I remember, you know, the whole it, during the trailer they would show on TV all the time. You know, the shotgun shooting a plate. The dishes are done, <laughs> yeah. man. Dishes are done, man. Um, I <laughs> rem- remembered <laughs> all of that, um, but for some reason, and which is. It's bizarre that I never saw it because of my crush on Kelly Bundy, Christina Applegate. Uh, I was very, uh, very much uh, attracted to her. And, you know, Kelly Bundy was nice because she was kind of the bad girl, you know, and Mm -hmm. Kelly Kapowski from Saved by the Bell was the good girl. (laughs) So it's like, were you a Kelly Kapowski person or were you a Kelly Bundy person? I was probably uh, Kelly Bundy. Yeah, I was probably, <laughs> sure. you know, I was sort of the good kid myself. So I was sort of like, yeah, Kelly Bundy. <laughs> you know, that's, that's, <laughs> nice. what, that's what intrigued me. <laughs> I I do love Christine Applegate as Kelly Bundy. But for me, when I was growing up as a young girl, the person that I wanted to be was Sue Ellen Crandall. Yeah, Sue Ellen, for sure. <laughs> because she she was just like goals for the, the kind of person I wanted to be just at, at that age and the, the stuff that she does in the movie and the way she acts and the way she carries herself and the ways that she stands up to people was just everything that I wanted to be. But um, also this movie is just super fun. Yeah, definitely. It's super fun. I... I I realized watching it again because I haven't actually watched it in so long. Like I've got it freaking memorized in my head. I could play it in my head right now without even having to watch the movie. I watched it so much when I was a kid. But just watching it after having not seen it for several years, I think, um, as an adult, it's it's very. I I saw some things that I didn't see as a kid. Um, It's very much one of those like irreverent uh, comedies from the 90s that I wish we got more of like stuff like Problem Child yeah. in this where really like odd quirky things happen mm-hmm. that you just enjoy as a kid but then you watch it as an adult and you're like wait a minute they did what <laughs> just like little background stuff yeah. even um, just and the whole thing of them with the what they do with the babysitter's body you're like wait a minute <laughs> that's fucked up yeah well I, <laughs> or I, the drag queens stealing their car right <laughs> stuff like that like I never really I just thought it was funny when I was a kid but now I'm just like this has actually got it's a weird little like quirky personality to it that I really love and you know some of that came from for me I mean there's a direct link to it in one of the actors but was we fairly close together we watched a movie that for our family movie night that I used to watch all the time as a kid and that was Adventures in Babysitting and there's some of that same kind of thing where there's a real yeah. dark streak <laughs> to that movie. Yeah. I mean, the whole movie, they're being chased by these car thieves that are trying to kill them. I mean, yeah. this is really disturbing. <laughs> you know, they get almost get in the middle of a gang fight and all these different <laughs> things like that, you know. Brad. That's what I miss about kids' movies like that, yeah. though, from this time period. They're just where it's most, it's mostly a normal story, but there's just all this weird stuff <laughs> thrown in that just throws it off just a little bit, but yeah. it still makes it 
immensely enjoyable. And it was funny because both of these movies, both Adventures in Babysitting and Don't Tell Mom the Babysitter's Dead, played like gangbusters for my kids. They yeah, loved good. them. My I'm glad. my fourteen year old. Oh God, he's fifteen. <laughs> he just turned fifteen. He says birthday. Or yeah, he did. Yeah, he's fifteen now. Yeah, he he loved both of them. He thought they were a blast. That's awesome. So it's it's just so much fun. Both of those. Um, but yeah, then we're not talking about adventures and babysitting though. We're talking about yeah, uh, we're talking about don't tell mom the babysitter's dead again. Like I said, from uh, nineteen ninety one, uh, the. St- story here is that <laughs> i love the way the movie starts out too with the, the cartoon opening credits yeah. i miss those so much yeah it's kind of you know uh national lampoon's christmas vacation had yeah, one like exactly. that too yeah uh but the story is uh the main character obviously is christian applegate as swelling crandall you kind of introduced in the first scene where they're she's just shopping with her friends mm-hmm. that they're her mom is going on vacation to Australia, like with her new boyfriend for two months. And she has four other siblings. Right. Uh, one of which is a little Danielle Harris. Yeah, as I Melissa. know. <laughs> love her in this movie. Love her. Yeah. Then for me, I love Keith Coogan as, as Kenny. Yes. As Kenny. As Kenny. You know, yeah, and that's, totally. that's what I latched on to as well, because it's like, oh yeah. Adventures in babysitting. He plays the, the, mm-hmm. the brother. He's such, so different in that movie than he is in this one. He's sort of the straight laced mm-hmm. good kid in that. And here he's, he's, <laughs> he's the punk. He's, yeah. I mean, he's, he's the rocker. He's the stoner. He's, you know, all of these kinds of things. He's a little bit irresponsible. He's well, he's very irresponsible, at least at the beginning. I love his arc, though. I love his story. Oh, yeah, to- yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah. We're, we'll get into that. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I just kind of love the whole setup, too, of where they live and their, their family, their family dynamics. Uh, something I always really liked because they felt like such a real family. This movie does. They, they, they live mm-hmm. in this, like, big old house, like, yeah. in the middle of nowhere. It's five kids, and they're, like, overstressed, overworked mother. Obviously, you see in this first scene, like, before she's gotten ready for her trip, She's just wearing sweats and like the house is a mess and she's just trying to get the kids to do their chores, do something to help her out. You know, my favorite and, line in the movie is from her right at the beginning. I've had a very rough 37 years and I need a break. Right. <laughs> <laughs> There's little comments about the father. Uh-huh. Um, I like what uh, Melissa. Oh, she's like, I wish dad were around. And the mother says, "No, you don't." <laughs> just kind of tells that just tells you everything you need to know yeah. about the father's role in this family's life, which is that he's obviously left and doesn't care about them anymore. So, yeah. so yeah, this single woman she needs a break. <laughs> She's going on a vacation for two months. Um, in Australia, the kids, for some reason, think that she's just going to leave them alone for two months and let them run the house. Yeah, that's but, Sue Ellen, no. because she's 17, <laughs> is going to just watch them. Yeah. Right. But uh, she's hired this older lady, Mrs. Sturak, um, to be their babysitter. She seems so <laughs> sweet at the beginning, doesn't she? She's so she? sweet, sure. She gets out of her black Buick and... Like, oh, I just love taking care of kids. That's my whole life. You go have a lovely time. And the mom is all set up and everything seems like it's great. And then like the minute that the mom leaves, there's a strike. Her voice, I love the way her voice changes too. It's so like gravelly and shrill. She's like, all right, you little maggots, light up. Yeah, I mean, she's... Time to go over the rules. <laughs> She's in the movie for, you know, like two or three minutes, but it's it's boy that, that is an actor that is taking advantage of every second of screen time they have. Sure. 
she's so good and so she's funny so in this. I mean, because it starts out, she's petting the dog, and she's Elvis. I love Elvis. Elvis. Um, yeah. And she's being so sweet, and then just turns. And I like these earlier scenes too that show um, all the different personalities of the kids. Yes. You can you kind of get who they all are uh-huh. right away. Like Melissa's a little tomboy. Uh-huh. She's like frying frying a bug with magnifying glass. Mm-hmm. Aside, I love the the thing um, after Mister Mrs. Strack turns. That's such a great little moment when uh, she's like, "Time for little girls to dress like little girls." Right, and she's put her in like a pink dress. Yeah. I love this shot of Daniel Harris just stomping out, flipping her off. Right. Um, Walter, his thing in the movie, he's the youngest. His thing in the movie is that he just liked to watch a lot of TV all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's kind of his main character trait. Zach is kind of the, he's, you tell he's going to just going to grow up. He's already kind of a heartbreaker, yeah. obsessed with like the girl that he's dating right now. Cynthia <laughs> calls her his, his moon goddess. <laughs> just like, they're like 12. I don't know. I know. It's so weird. Yeah. And Kenny's obviously the the punk. Again, the other hilarious scene is when Mrs. Sturak walks into his room and has that little meltdown of like she freaks out, yeah. Another that's just yeah, like another great like acting moment where she she's just like oh, and it's just cutting to all of like the posters the posters of, the of, of naked women, you know, in the naked in, in, women in, in skulls yeah, and everything. Yeah. And Sue Ellen, God, I just love her in this movie. She's I love just that she's so already at 17. What I, what I was seeing when I was watching this, like it felt like already at 17, she was already like, even though she says, you know, you're as a, obviously as a kid at that time, you're not sure like what you're going to do with the rest of your life. But she seemed at least comfortable with who she was yeah. and what she was into and very confident in herself mm-hmm. in that way. I love that she smokes in front of her mom. It's like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know why this nice little touch. <laughs> She's certainly self-possessed. She's not going <laughs> sure. to. Yeah. Um, she thinks, at least in these early scenes, that she's got it all figured out. She, you know, even mm-hmm. if, even if she's not sure what she's going to do after after high school, she's still kind of like, well, I'm I'm good. I know everything. Um, there's there's a sense of that to this. She just graduated high school. Yeah, she so just she's... graduated, so she doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily need to know what she's going to do next. Exactly. But I think it's. Uh, she has a fully formed personality, at least. She does. You know, even if she doesn't know exactly what she's going to do with it. Yeah, I, I understand why that would be. <laughs> and again, I mean, I think they were playing on the Kelly Bundy persona a little bit by having her be, have a little bit of a... She's got a little bit of an edge of an, of an edgy streak to her. I mean, she's not playing Kelly Bundy in this movie, but no. I think there is that edge from that character that she was so well known for by this time becomes very helpful Mm -hmm. to the character for you know later on in the movie Mm -hmm. yeah i just love her and you see that she's uh very much into fashion Mm -hmm. which uh comes up i love i know this is from 1991 but even still the styling is it's pretty cool it's very 1991 but it is she it's styling is still pretty nice she has great outfits throughout the whole movie uh, but then one night when all the kids are kind of done with Mrs. Strack and her rules and they tell Sue Ellen to go in and talk to her, <laughs> she does. Another, see, another great moment. Like, I don't know if, if I was, when I was that age, if I could have stood up to like an authority figure like that uh-huh. and just freaking 
yelled at her like that just stuff that i didn't have when i was a kid i saw in in sue ellen that i wanted to have Mm -hmm. yeah that's just that that's what the whole character means to me but in this scene (laughs) she goes to uh talk to mrs Sturek. and she's dead (laughs) spoiler alert oh wait it's in the title spoiler alert it's in the for don't tell mom the babysitter's dead the babysitter dies (laughs) i think when i saw the previews for this i had always assumed that they killed her (laughs) (laughs) did you (laughs) Because the poster almost makes it look like they did. Right? It kind of does. Yeah. <laughs> so, the kids, this is another, like, just a weird plot thing about the movie. I It's hard to talk about this movie, like, seriously in terms of plot just yet. <laughs> They're talking about getting rid of the babysitter's body. Uh-huh. Kenny? Hey, get out. Kenny, I think you should come downstairs. I'm not going to believe this. I told you to talk to her. We didn't want you to send her to the glue factory. I didn't kill her, Zach. She died in her sleep. Probably choked on her whistle. She doesn't look dead. That's because it just happened. So you can't really tell. Like a MacGyver? Um, what should we do with her body? (sighs) Call an ambulance? Call the cops? I don't know. I mean, they're going to come and get her. They're going to ask us a lot of questions. Uh, They'll probably blame us. They'll definitely call mom. She'll blame us. You know, she'll hop the next flight home, and then she'll be in our faces. I don't want Mom to come home. I don't either. It's starting to stink. No, it's too soon. Shut up. Be careful. I got her. No, I need my skateboard. Grab my foot. Sure she's going to fit? How the hell should I know? I've never done this before. Well, neither have I. I think we should measure her first. Attack off her head. Yeah. Uh, all right, go get that uh, metal tape measure thing out of the garage. Would you stop ordering us around? You're not the babysitter. That's right, Kenny. The babysitter is dead. Now just do it. But it's also it's also an interesting, I think, um, thing that's a big theme in the movie. Um, when they're talking about like what to do if they should call the cops or right. you know call an ambulance, what they all kind of know collectively that they all think is like they're probably going to call mom and she's going to come back, and they're all like, "I don't want mom to come home." Right. Which is kind of like that's kind of harsh in a way. Yeah. But you get it as a kid, you know that you don't want your mom to come home, but you don't want because she's that authority figure she's that thing that's been that person that's been telling them what to do and telling them to do their chores and always as kenny says like just being on his ass all the time and i think it's that's an important thing in the movie that you know that they learn that hey actually mom does a lot and we should appreciate her yeah a lot more that's a big element of this movie big, big thing. It's just kind of appreciating not just the parent but kind of everybody mm-hmm. yeah everyone sort of gets that their their time to shine in their role i think it's particularly sue ellen and uh, the mom and kenny. and kenny that kind of get that appreciation happening mm-hmm. because they're the oldest uh, the kids are mostly allowed to be kids still sure <laughs> uh, which is good I, I think that's a positive thing about this movie too so what do they decide to do with mrs turak's body uh they put her in a trunk and they just drive her to the morgue and drop her off at the front door with a with note a with a note taped to it that says, nice old lady inside died of natural causes. Right. <laughs> Which also comes back at the very end that I love. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. 
like I said, it's hard to talk about that movie seriously. Okay, now that she's dead. Okay, basically now the, the kids are alone. They don't want mom to come home. They don't want to tell anybody about what's happened. So they decide that they're just going to take care of themselves for the next two months. I don't know what their long-term plan was when mom came back and asked where the babysitter was or had been right <laughs> for two months, but whatever, they're kids. They say, oh, she left early you know, or something like that. <laughs> something like yeah. that. I don't know. I don't know what their plan was. The, the mom had left the babysitter an envelope full of money to uh, for groceries and, and spending money mm-hmm. throughout the summer. Uh, they think that they can probably just live off of that for the next two months. And they realize that um, she probably had the money on her, which she did. Uh-huh. <laughs> Again, as you find out later, <laughs> the money is gone. They have no money to to buy groceries or take care of themselves. So they just decide that somebody's got to get a job. And they flip another for great it. little moment. Yeah. They flip for it. Mama Celeste Pizza. Yep. And it's decided that Sue Ellen is going to go get a job while Kenny stays and, and takes care of the kids. Which, um, yeah, like you were saying, Kenny has a great arc too. Like from the beginning, people are kind of saying that Kenny's not really involved with the family. Mm-hmm. He doesn't take an active interest in helping out right. or really being there for each other. The mom says something like that. And it's kind of nice that he... He agrees to it, even though he's still not really going to do what he actually needs to do. But he agrees to at least be there, you know, for his brothers and sister. Yeah. You know, it's subtle movements uh, towards where he ends up. Otherwise, that would be even a bigger shock than it it really is in the movie. He slowly gets there, sure. So her first job is at the clown dog. (laughs) At the clown dog. Yeah. Got to work on getting more of the fat out of the burgers. (sighs) Gross. Yeah, and her and horrible Mr. boss, Egg. Mr. Egg. Yeah, <laughs> he's only horrible in the sense that he's like really annoying. Yeah, he's he's very and really super happy all the time yeah. when he should not be at a place like Clown Dog, which they show is just like a disgusting fast food restaurant. It's sort of like. I don't know, hot dog on a stick or something like that. Where yeah, you have to maybe. wear a stupid <laughs> uniform and uh, yeah, they have weird bow ties. Um, otherwise, they're kind of dressed like ice cream men. <laughs> kind of. <laughs> you know, sort of like that. The, ni- the 19... truck that Brian drives yeah. is like an ice cream truck. Yeah, sort of like 1950s soda jerks, you know, with the little hat and the white uniform. So she's not at that job for very long. But there she does meet uh, the delivery driver, Brian. Yeah. Who plays Brian? Oh, my God. I don't even know. I really like that actor, though. I don't think I've seen him in anything else. Yeah, Brian is played by Josh Charles, who okay. has also been in Dead Poets Society, Hairspray, Four Brothers, Whiskey Tango, Fox, Foxtrot, SWAT, and huh. Muppets from Space, among others. Okay. So I don't know what he I plays. didn't recognize him. I, yeah, the <laughs> thing is, he looks oddly familiar, but I'm think, does, I think his face reminds me of a different actor, and I can't place, what it is. And I can't place who, uh, which is really strange. Yeah, I do like. He's very like. He's very likable in this. Mm-hmm. In this movie, he's, he's a little bit older, but he's very likable, mm-hmm. and you can tell that he's got a little bit of a thing for Sue Ellen already. I like the little moment when she like she takes her hair net down, and he's you can't really see anything on his face, but you can tell he's kind of looking at her like, oh, she's she's not bad. I like her. Yeah. And they have cute little moments together. I love <laughs> I love the line earlier when the uh, Sue Ellen, uh, Mr. Egg says something like, uh, she's he's always telling them to put on a happy face. And smile when they're working, which is like, oh my god, no. Oh, I know. <laughs> and oh. she and she says, did he just finish reading Dianetics or something? 
<laughs> and Brian just so casually and so perfectly, like, oh no, he's just on helium. <laughs> so there's a little spark between the two of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he gives her some advice uh, in the scene where they're, she's, yeah, she's scrubbing the fad fats. <laughs> that is so gross. So disgusting. Yeah. So disgusting. I'm glad I never worked in fast food. <laughs> I, I never did either. Uh, I had a lot of friends who did and just, or, I, it made me never want to even eat at one of those at, at McDonald's. I had a friend who worked at McDonald's and he told me stories no, don't and it's like, I don't want, <laughs> no. I don't want to know. I don't want to know. You know, Blissfully ignorance. Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. But yeah, they have a little um, like moment after hours where uh, for them and also for Swell and I think she realizes that she's better than this or she could be better than this if she really just like put her mind to it and not didn't just try for like the easy job that anybody can get that she's she has a little bit more talent that she Mm -hmm. could use and brian tells her like why don't you just quit and mr egg comes in and is annoying again and so she fucking quits yeah and then she gathers together her resume she sort of isn't a, a, a book on on doing your resume better and she she sort of she fibs uh more than oh, a little yeah. on on her on her resume she sees saying an, she worked yeah, she sees in an ad all yeah, around she sees the world an ad in the paper for uh, uh something that said fashion industry looking mm-hmm. for receptionist yeah and she's working on her <laughs> kitty is just like you just copying that right out of the book she's like no i changed the name <laughs> <laughs> yeah because she went to vassar fashion and all stuff as she went to vassar and she worked in what japan somewhere or something yeah it's like, like it's like tokyo <laughs> yeah. or something on there yeah uh-huh. i also love the scene kind of where she's getting ready to just another like maybe kind yeah. of girly thing because it seems like i think she's trying on her mom's clothes like she's trying on that's what I think it is. I don't think those are her clothes. I think they are her mom's. That's the I think she's try- I, got I always thought she was trying on her mom's stuff, like trying to be, you know, business adults. Yeah. And then she g- gets inspired, which is perfect for the industry that she's going into and just perfect for like keeping up with her character, you know, just putting together her her own outfit, showing off her own personality. Yeah, she she mixes and matches the stuff from the closet yeah. and comes up with something that works and it looks nice. I mean, even by I mean, it's a little dated, but it, right? but even by today's standards, it it's That's a cool outfit. It's a cool outfit. Yeah, that she has on. It looks professional and it looks cool at the same time, mm-hmm. you know. And it's nice character touch that, you know, it doesn't you don't get beaten over the head with it uh, throughout no. the course of the movie. She's just kind of good at putting ensembles together and it's an important piece for she has an an interest and a passion in it she's one of those girls that can just like look at a picture in a magazine and like do her hair the exact same way who who can do that i can never do that so she's but she's that means she's to me that means she's got talent she has an eye well i don't know this is because she always talks about how she doesn't really know what she wants to do it's like dude this is exactly what you need to be doing mm -hmm. because it seems like you've really got a knack for well, it. Well, earlier on they show her drawing in the fashion magazine, changing the outfit on the model yes. in, in the magazine. Exactly. You know, adding color and stripes and different uh, accents to the outfit that the model is wearing. It's, it's sort of a hint of what she's good at with that. Exactly. Uh, so she goes into uh, where she's going to look for a job as a receptionist at General Apparel West. Gaw. <laughs> Gaw. <laughs> <laughs> and then she meets the the current receptionist Carolyn. What do you think of what do you think oh, of Carolyn? Gosh, I Ryan? hate her. I hate her so much. Do you know who she she reminds me of of like a role that and I mean this in a good way that 
Parker Posey would play in like right like uh, best in <laughs> sure. show. You know, she's she's sort of this high stressed out all the time kind of person who like she's got a stick up her ass yeah just wants to yell and i love parker posey she just is really good at playing that character you know Mm -hmm. i think um if she had been known at the time she might have played that part even i mean there's something about her that sort of reminds me of parker posey i don't know what it is just the type of performance that she gives reminded me a lot Mm -hmm. of that character in well even in scream (laughs) three Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, Scream 3 and, and Best in Show in particular. Yeah, Parker Posey is hilarious. No, I love her so much. She's so love funny. Her. I love this actress, too. This actress is really She's good terrific, yeah. As, as Caroline. Yeah. <laughs> Especially this line, you are supposed to go down to personnel. personnel. Jane Brooke. Um, and who's been in quite a lot, too. She's been in, oh, she was in Superman 4. The Quest for Peace, which ah. we all know is the strongest <laughs> Superman movie. I've heard that's the best one, right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> anyway, she's also in Gattaca, Kindergarten Cop, a couple of other movies. Oh, cool. Uh, but yeah, like you said, uh, Carolyn leaves for a second and Sue Ellen catches the eye of Joanna Cassidy, uh, Rose Lindsay. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's from the, that first line where, um, where Rose is like, where's Carolyn? Mousy brown hair gives you a headache, and Sue Ellen is meaning like talks like she's chewing her face. Right. <laughs> so it's like Rose sees something in Sue Ellen that she really likes right away. It's like, oh, is that your resume? And, and yeah. Mm-hmm. And oh, I can take a look at it. And she, yeah, she Rose says that she absolutely hates Carolyn and doesn't want her because the job that um, Carolyn is leaving the receptionist position for is to be Rose's assistant. Right. And she's like, uh, I fucking hate her. How about you do it? I seem to like you. I've only met you for two seconds and I already like you more than Carolyn. And, and yeah, that I think, then that resume. Yeah. And I think that's something about Sue Ellen's character is she's very gregarious, very, uh, you know, sort of instantly likable. She carries. Like she can talk to anybody. Yeah. And because she's so self-possessed, she comes across as more mature than she actually is, um, which is, I think, connecting back with Indian Summer, what I said during that part of the episode, is an important element of her is being sort of prematurely grown up. Because I think she is not, to some extent. So much. No, 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 no. But I think she is to some extent, even at the beginning of the movie, before the job hunt, I'm a senior. I just graduated. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a grown up now. I have to be a grown up. You yeah. know, I think there's an element of that. Uh, even though she wants to just have a summer with her friends, you know, that's the plan. She can't. She can't because they're Europe. yeah, they're all her friends <laughs> went to Europe. Yeah. But yeah, I, I, I do see that. Um, she is, she's mature in a way, but she's also you can also see the little hints of a kid. I especially like, I think the scene with her and Brian later on when they have a date, and she's Those all nervous the scenes... about about them mm-hmm. about to kiss. You know, mm-hmm. it's like you can see that that. That little kid still yeah. inside, that little excited kid. That's that's something I, I, that's one of the big notes I wrote down here. So really? yeah, okay. we'll, we'll get to that. Okay. But first I really want to talk about Rose. Yeah. Cause this is something that I always liked about the movie, but I think this time watching it now, I really understood like how important I think this part of the movie is just her character. Mm-hmm. The fact that, okay, Rose is just a great boss for yeah. one thing. 
she's the kind of boss that you would absolutely love to have. Yeah. Right. And she seems like a perfect match for Sue Ellen. They're basically like the same person. Like uh, Rose is very like outgoing and outspoken and in charge and sure of herself and confident. And they really, they really connect in that way, I think. But I also think it is absolutely perfect that this is not a story about a young woman who goes out into the workforce and, in an office situation and has to deal with like a crappy male boss. Right. Basically that the person that she encounters is this fucking amazing, like Mm -hmm. woman in charge boss. Yeah. It would have been a completely different and worse movie in a way to me if they had gone that direction. You know what I mean? Yeah. It would make it, it would have been typical. Right. Right. You know, like you would think it'd be a story of like, Oh, they're growing up and, and realizing that that people are shitty and the workplace is shitty. No, it's I don't know. It's, I I've really I think there's a sense to it that the work that the workplace can be rewarding. It, it doesn't have to be. I mean, obviously, it's a difficult job. Rose's job yeah. is extremely challenging. She she gets stressed out and she loses her shit sometimes. You yeah. know, she can't. She has trouble holding it together sometimes too. But I think that there's passion there and you know the workplace need not suck your soul dry <laughs> it can yeah not entirely it can sure. yeah, yeah it can it can be a rewarding place too and i think that's a nice message to have i mean it's not in a cuz i mean how often do we see people destroyed in the workplace movies right which you know i understand that too and i understand that is reality and um i've been there myself where i've been more or less destroyed by the job I had. Mm-hmm. Not my teaching job. I not destroyed by that <laughs> one. Um, sometimes, but not usually. <laughs> There's a certain it's level the- of reality to it. You know, it's not. It doesn't have to be all bad if you're working in an industry that you love, even if it's not exactly what you love, because, you know, they have a thing later on where she's like, uh, I thought we made designer clothes, but this place is actually, they just make like crappy uniforms. Yeah. It's essentially, you know, like supplier for a Walmart, (laughs) you know, kind of a a place. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I really love, I've always loved Rose. She was always like one of my favorite characters, but I just, I really loved that. When I thought about what the movie could be, if it was a different character, I think this was uh, even more important to me, even more, um, a much of more of a better message that this movie has it's a mentorship it's having her oh yeah there's a mentorship there because essentially uh sue ellen is kind of parroting a lot of her ad- <laughs> the advice from rose yeah. to the people that work for her you know yeah. she'll because she's learning how to delegate things sort of instinctually to Franklin and to and to Franklin uh, and also uh, yes Sydney Lassick so happy (laughs) so happy and then um, I'm sorry uh, she's gosh what's the character's name she's played by uh, Victoria Jackson Kathy the person that she gives the report the one that does the QED report yeah 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 Kathy Kathy okay Oh, Kimmy Robertson. For some reason, it's Kimmy Robertson. It's not. It's, she looks so much like Victoria Jackson. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah, um, she's in lots of stuff though. It is. Yeah, it is a great mentorship between her and Rose. I think Sue Ellen already has a little bit of that in herself, but I think it's good for her to see a woman in a position of power like this and yeah. seeing what she could be. I think that's what I, I get from her character, and also yeah. seeing her deal with uh, the guys in the movie yeah, who aren't so great usually. <laughs> David Duchovny and his uh, David Duchovny. Oh God! And then Gus, John Gets as Gus. Yes, 
yeah. So the workplace. Yeah. So we just said it, was, it could be a good place. Um, Gus is one of the guys who makes the workplace a shitty place because he doles out some good old sexual harassment. Yes. Isn't that nice? Yeah. It's uh, it's pretty blatant, you know, gross and skeezy. Totally and, gross. And yes. But uh, the actor's good at it. He's good at playing it in like a in a super creepy and disgusting way but also i don't know there's just something the way he's always like oh no i was kidding right <laughs> he puts the he puts the little yeah. uh, quirky thing on he's not like a total creep like not gonna like no, corner no. her and attack her or anything like that no, but... but just being creepy and trying to laugh it off and make it less of what it is he, he reminds he's me he's good at being gross he yeah. reminds me a little <laughs> bit of a toned down version of like I don't know if you've seen this movie, but um, Ben Stiller's character in Dodgeball, mm-hmm. where he says, that's me taking the bull by the horns. Uh, or there's, But there's this line where he says, I didn't mean that really, but I did yeah. if you're into it. You know, I mean, <laughs> yes, that whole, yes. that kind of an idea. It's, it's, if you're not into it, I'm just kidding. But if you are, I'm serious. <laughs> you know, that sort of idea kind of comes down, except it's a real, it's more, uh, in this case, it's more of a realistic kind of thing, whereas that it's played for being over the top and insane and obvious mm-hmm. okay so from here on out like i actually i've seen this movie a bunch i'm not gonna be very good at like going plot point by plot point but it's just kind of i didn't it's building up what's going on basically here is there's a separate thing of what's going on at the office and what's going on at, at the house with the kids yeah um, at the office swellen's like trying to learn stuff um she's very they're very excited at first i love the scene where um after she gets the job and they go they go out to uh, what is it like chuck e cheese place yeah, kind of thing it is chuck e cheese <laughs> <laughs> I, is it chuck e. cheese? I noticed okay. those cups and they said chuck e cheese okay so. I, can, I also love too you can see a, a lot of the relationship between kenny and swellen yeah. which i really like like a brother and sister who actually like each other and like hanging out together yeah when they do yeah and it kind of, that, that comes full circle at the end in Kenny's final. Yeah, totally. I love that scene. That's probably my favorite scene in the movie. That's one of my favorite I scenes. I love it. But, okay, so I didn't take a, I, I took sort of big notes. I didn't take little notes. But for me, one of my favorite things about the movie as a whole were her interactions with Brian. Yeah. You know, these dates, like they're on the beach at night and there's that wonderful moment where he's like going to come in to kiss her and then he starts talking and says, I ruined it. <laughs> you know, I, that whole exchange is just sort of like a reminder that. Or no, uh, no, I like it because they're like, they both recognize that this is the moment. I yeah. think that's a big thing for them later on. It's a good moment. Yeah. <laughs> they're waiting. I was waiting for a good moment. They both recognize that it's coming, but then they're both, like I said, like kind of kids and kind of nervous because yeah. they both really like each other. And it's super sweet. And he's, yeah, he's just like, no, it's okay. Come here. Like in the, he says it in the totally like non sexy way and they both laugh. Yeah. And it's and kind very, of it. but it, it's very but it's so real. Yeah, it's very real. It's very and it's it's these important reminders that she is a kid still. Mm-hmm. You know, even though she's taken on this very adult responsibility uh with the work and you know also providing for the for her siblings and taking care of the house and all of these things, she's still just a kid, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. And 
I love that. They have a whole talk about, you know, yeah, not knowing what you want to do with the rest of your life Uh and having to decide, feeling like you have to decide right now, like when you're going to college, that's what you want to, that's what you decide, Mm -hmm. you know, that's your life is what she says. Yeah. And then she goes to work and Gus takes her out to lunch and she orders, oh my God, she orders the martini (laughs) and do you want that dry or sweet? A little of both. (laughs) A little bit of both. Um, can we talk about the lunch scene yeah, with Gus? <laughs> okay, we already talked about how gross he was, but this is just like another level gross. I get the sense that she knows what's up, but she also knows that she has to play the game a little bit or she'll get found a little bit, or yeah. she'll get found out. Because Gus is with Rose. I don't think we said before. They have a quote unquote uh, with Rose. Yeah. With her. Yeah. They have a I mean he starts the date by kind saying of a, by saying Rose and I aren't exclusive, you know. I yeah. I date other people. I date other women. Yeah, <laughs> One of the very first lines when he's talking about, oh, pretty soon we're going to be talking about our first times. And we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> Buddy, I mean, that's... What are you talking about? And pretty soon we'll be sharing a cigarette and post quit a bliss. Like, fuck you. Yeah, and she's imme- she immediately is like, what? Mm-hmm. I don't think so. But I think this scene is very real, too, because like, yeah, it, with other people, she's able to stand up mm-hmm. to them. But in this one, it's very uncomfortable. Yeah. And you wouldn't know, like, the right thing to say no. in that time, especially especially knowing that he's with Rose mm-hmm. and just not knowing how to handle basically workplace harassment. Right. Yeah, it's very real. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, of course it is. It's yeah, it's horrible. Um, that so that scene is I find very uncomfortable. And then mm-hmm. they have that beautiful scene with her and Brian in the toy store. Oh, my God. <laughs> which, you know, he basically he grabs one of those little, you know, those ball things that you bounce on and and says, yeah. Yeah, come on, come you on, know you me. want to. And so they start bouncing around the toy and they're kids again. They're kids. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah, they're 17, but I mean, that's that's a kid still in so many. I, yeah, it's, it's still absolutely Hey there, shuddy. You know, I'm so old. Um, but yeah, 17 is feels like a million years ago to me. But but there is, you know, still a little bit of that mischief and you're screwing around like sure. that. And um, you can still kind of get away with it a little bit, um, even though you're getting older. And it is still a kid, though. You know, we mm-hmm. you say you become an adult at 18 because you can do adult things mm-hmm. like you've graduated high school and you can vote and all that. Yeah. When you look back when you're like our age now, I think. <laughs> Looking back on being 18, that is a kid. Oh, As yeah. a kid. You think when you're 14, 15, mm-hmm. 16, like, uh, that's that's an adult. That's being an adult. You can do whatever you want once you hit 18, but you still don't know shit, and you're still just a kid. I was so I convinced, you know, between 18 and my, you know, mid-20s that I just knew what I was doing and mm-hmm. you know, I, I didn't have to listen to the grown ups anymore and all these sorts of things. But I didn't know Jack shit. I was just not as knowledgeable or prepared for the world as I thought I was. Yeah. At all. Totally. Um I think of my first days at my job as music director in the church and it's like, yeah, I know what I'm doing. I didn't have a clue. I didn't have a freaking <laughs> clue. And the person that they hired to kind of be my mentor, I didn't want to listen to him. And I look back on those days and go, man, I was so dumb. Why wasn't I just sitting at his feet taking notes? I mean, the guy had 20 years experience on me and, you know, I just thought I knew it all. I just thought I knew how to do it. And you don't. 
Yeah. You absolutely don't. And you know what? That's actually a little that's bit kind of, of the theme of this movie. S- that's a little bit of what Sue Ellen is doing uh-huh. too. Like she's learning from Rose, but she's also just faking it uh-huh. <laughs> a lot of the times, doing a really good job faking it, yeah, to be honest. Yeah. And you know, there's we'll talk about it at the end, but um there's when her realization finally comes that she doesn't really know what she's doing. Mm-hmm. It's a powerful moment and I Yeah, totally. <laughs> I really got a lot out of that. You can you see her in those uh, when she's first got the job, she doesn't even know how to work the computer. She mm-hmm. doesn't know how to send a fax, mm-hmm. which, uh, by the way, are little things that kind of tip Carolyn off yes. that Sue Ellen might not be who she says she is. She's very surprised and also like very, very jealous, obviously, of her that she got the job mm-hmm. and Carolyn didn't. Um, Carolyn is also with Bruce, oh, who we mentioned before, David Duchovny. Um, David Duchovny with that hair. Oh, yes, that, the hair slicked back, slicked back into like a ponytail or something. With yeah, it's and those nineties big shoulders big suits shoulders, going on. Yeah. Hell yeah, <laughs> love his introduction scene. Not for him, for Sue for Ellen, Sue Ellen. Cause, yeah, because she is just a badass bitch in this scene. I love it. She's on the phone, like talking. To to Kenny, Kenny. Yeah. kind of kind of showing that the two of them are starting Sue Ellen and Kenny are, are basically a, like a married couple in yeah. this movie that I fucking love that you, you see in this the scene where it's like the, the one who's at work calls the one at home and it's like how are you like are the kids okay what's going on at home you know and they have a little argument yeah it's it's this wonderful and it's and it's really brought out in the later scene but the subversion it's the subversion of traditional roles you know, male, ma- male, roles, male, yeah. female, or just gender roles in general. And then it's also the subversion of the grown up and the kid roles. Yes. Uh, it's very, it's handled, it's funny and you get it. I mean, there's nothing about it that makes you go, I'm not sure I've, yeah, you, you, you follow, you understand what's going on yeah, and totally. you understand that you get the joke, but it's kind of a thematic underpinning of the movie though um it's actually a really smart way to do this wasn't it it is it is like it could, this could just funny, be a, but it's this yeah this could just be like a dumb fun movie but they i think they really tried to do something yeah, with that to, to really subvert and draw attention yeah. to the subversion of those roles um, totally yeah i like it a lot yeah we can't we got it i can't wait to talk about that scene i love that oh, scene i know exactly what you're talking yeah. about yeah uh, but yeah, uh, Bruce comes in while she's on the phone uh, with Kenny. They're having a little spat. I don't know because I, I think he's he's jealous that um, that he's got to stay home and take care of the kids. Like that she gets to go and have a cool job, and she's just like, no, actually, this sucks. I'd rather be. I don't want to work in the grown up world. I'd rather yeah. be home, being a kid again. Yeah, this is hard. I think is what she's thinking. Yeah. It's hard stuff. Yeah. Hard work. Yeah, and then Bruce comes in and is like, being a, again, another guy in the workplace just being a dick. Like, yo, Gidget, I need something from right. you. I love this turn. She's so perfect in this scene. Kenny, hold on. What is your name and what do you do here? Uh, I yeah. love the smile that she keeps giving at the end of every sentence. Yeah. When those <laughs> numbers are done, we'll call you yeah. and you'll come get them. Yeah. She uses her authority that she, uh, as like a higher level person in the company than he is, mm-hmm. even though she doesn't know what the fuck she's doing, right. but she uses it in that moment to like put this dude in, in his place and let him know that he's being a dick. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. I love when he like, he does a little thing. He cracks his neck. Oh Yeah. <laughs> What is that about? Yeah. She's put him in his place and he goes, okay, sorry. And I love the line. It's okay. <laughs> <laughs> and she just smiles. <laughs> 
perfect line delivery, perfect way to handle that situation. Definitely, definitely. So another thing from a plot points perspective that's kind of important, well, really important, is that she's been dipping into the petty cash in order to yeah. buy food and things like that for the family. But that, yeah, that is a thing. Um, there's a cash box mm-hmm. in her desk that uh, Rose tells her about. Did you like that scene too when she finally gets the money out? And the song that's playing, that's the Spinal Tap song. <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> that's right. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. Totally, totally space. Yeah, absolutely. Give me some money. money. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. And what's what's so funny about that song is I've heard it so often, I almost forget that it's a joke, <laughs> that the song right? is a joke. I love Spinal Tap. When I saw, I watched this so much that, and I knew, so I knew that song. I knew that little, uh, that drop. So when I finally saw this is Spinal Tap, I was like, holy shit. That's from Don't Tell Mom, The Babysitter's Dead. I can't believe they used a, a Spinal fake Tap song. song. Yeah. It, fake song from a fake band yeah, that's, in Don't Tell Mom, The Babysitter's Dead. I don't know how that happened, but I love it. It's, well, anyway, when we, we're going to have to talk about Spinal Tap eventually because I that's okay. that's a that's a big favorite of mine. I mean, that's probably just outside of the top five for me. So she takes the money um, from Petty Cash to you know buy some groceries because they they had some. I love how uh, Kenny is always like using the money to like buy munchies, <laughs> munchie food for his friends right. because they get high in his room all the time. But I also like uh, this scene too when she's buying the groceries and brings them home because it's. It starts to show her turning into that mother figure for the siblings when she has that little scene with Zach, who's upset about, you know, I think my girlfriend likes another guy. And she does it. She's a a very mothering way, but also like as a kid, like, okay, here's there's an article in Cosmo that I want you to read. (laughs) Read it and take the quiz afterwards. Like she's doing it in her own way, but she's still very much being a mother. Yeah. And Kenny's kind of taken on the role of the father or the basically he's the stay at home mom. Yeah, I think that's kind of how it's going is is there's a sense that he's the stay at home mom. He's watching Julia Child. He's learning how to cook from Julia Child. (laughs) Um, And he's not doing very well at first. You know, he's making the he's burning the waffles. And but Julia made it on her show yesterday. I've been up all (laughs) night working on these and they're all burnt and hard and gross. Yeah. And Sue Ellen's going to work every day, and all Kenny has to do is stay home, take care of the kids, do some chores, mow the lawn, or whatever. And he he's still he's refusing to do that for the longest time, and yeah. but he slowly kind of realizes that yeah, I should probably help out more. I, yeah. fa- I he's found an interest in cooking, which I kind of like. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that he finds something that he's passionate about too. Yes, and that's one of the things I really like about. Uh, Kenny's arc is that he does find this thing that really excites him and mm-hmm. kind of gets his fire going. Something you would never expect from that kind of character too is cooking. Yeah, you know? <laughs> just yeah, and he's yeah, but it's a passion that he finds. I love it. He finds it and he starts just pursuing that, and it's really kind of a the cool first batch thing. of waffles he makes are pretty bad. Yeah, <laughs> but he tries again. But he tries again, and next time they're better, and it's cool. I, 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 and you know, he starts, you know, later on, I know he starts saying, you know, the, the recipe calls for shrimp. You know, we, I need more, <laughs> I don't have enough money. You have to try something else. So he's doing the coupons and all those yes. things. You know, he's handing the coupon over to it's a, that's a double oh, coupon. I have a coupon. Um, so Sue Ellen, another important 
thing is that Sue Ellen finds out that Carolyn is actually Brian's older sister. Older sister, yeah. Because she sees um, uh, like a little clown dog bag uh-huh. on her on her desk one day and is like, uh, where did that come from? And so the, that causes some tension between Brian and Sue Ellen uh, as they go on. Their dates are super cute and super fun, but she also has a secret that she's got to hide from him now more than ever. Yeah. Like not just not just because she's a seventeen year old, you know, working in this job, but now because she could be found out yeah. because of Carolyn. Yeah, I do like that scene where they kinda have their first fight. Yeah. Is that, that is that is that the where um where he asked her he, he asked her to the Dodger yeah. game? Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's you know, sort of a key moment, you know, in any mm-hmm. relationship, right? Um, sure. Well, he keeps trying to invite her to do stuff, um, but she, especially when he asked her to the Dodger game because Carolyn's yeah. going to be there. Mm-hmm. Like she says, "Oh, no, I forgot, I don't he, like baseball." And, yeah. Um, <laughs> and then he gets mad at her for being all secretive and not knowing what she's doing the, during the day, and she makes a very good point, you know, to uh, maybe we should just actually respect each other's privacy mm-hmm. about I mean, certain they, things like you don't have to don't have to tell somebody everything in right, a relationship right and they are new in this relationship and they're this new is yeah not, this is not a a marriage level relationship right now he's taking it very seriously she's maybe being a little little mean and a little blase about it because they do both really like each other but i think she's, she's also, also like, just trying to she, keep her secret she's trying to she's also trying to keep her secret mm-hmm. she's also kind of putting her foot down and mm-hmm. about certain things i don't know yeah i again i always she has great little moments like she's not always perfect i no. think she could they could have talked it out a little bit better oh definitely and you know so often that is what real conflicts come down to is yeah. you just didn't talk about it thoroughly and there's a misunderstanding i mean <laughs> that's got angry in the moment mm-hmm. it could have been easily explained sure yeah and avoided exactly and yeah. that's so much of what i mean that's like 90 percent of conflict <laughs> is is mm-hmm. not getting not knowing the whole story and not communicating thoroughly enough to get it you know totally so i think after this is kind of where the movie turns and it kind of goes to the the next big kind of plot phase because she's the next scene is like her all there's like little insert shots but mostly it's a scene when she's kind of upset you know it's breakfast to the next morning and she's upset because brian didn't call and then there's also a little thing going on where the kids are going <laughs> stealing, into her purse they're stealing, the petty stealing cash, yeah. my f- absolute favorite thing though zach goes in there first and takes like just a couple like a of ten, bills yeah Walter goes in this and whole takes like a massive huge wad. St- yeah. <laughs> he takes like a huge stack of money. <laughs> it's hilarious. So she, so she's upset about Brian. Their kids are stealing. She goes to work and the kids are uh spending the money. They spend it all in like a day. Yeah. I think it seems like Walter orders a big um, home entertainment, home entertainment system. His thing, thing is he's obsessed with TV, so he orders a whole home entertainment center for the house, and Zach buys his girlfriend a diamond ring. Right. <laughs> Diamonds are forever. There's a whole thing with the QED report, another kind of mm-hmm. secret, another her like faking stuff at work, which I really like, again, how it's resolved in a way that... Rose handles it in a good way. You know, like she's not a horrible boss about it. Yeah. It's because we find out that, you know, because Kathy brings is sick and she brings the QED Mm -hmm. report and hands it to Carolyn. 
saying, can you please give this to Sue Ellen? I'm sick and I need to go. She had me do this for her. And then and Carolyn's like, Carolyn's like I got you. her. I got her. I got her now. Hands, it, yeah. hands the QED report over to Rose. And Rose says, oh, wow, Sue Ellen, you really know how, how to delegate. I never knew. <laughs> I didn't know. I couldn't imagine how you were going to be able to get all of this done, but you really did. You really did it. And it, it's, it's nicely handled. It's not, um, yeah, totally. and it's, it's not in a, the boss is oblivious way either so much. Mm-hmm. It's something else. I think because she just really likes Sue Ellen, you know, she really has a connection with her mm-hmm. cause there's a whole thing going on. Um, at GAW where like we said they make crappy uniforms and and they're Rose had said something earlier about oh we forgot about like one of the best lines from the movie something that Rose uh, tells Sue Ellen to say whenever you know whenever we're not alone or I'm on the phone and I ask you to do something what do you always say I'm right on top of that Rose (laughs) no it's good but anyway like the company is like having problems they're not you know, I guess they're sales or whatever. You have a receding profit margin, as Sue Ellen says on the phone to Kitty one time. And so uh, the other great earlier scene of, of Sue Ellen and Rose is when they're talking about a, a way that they that Rose comes up with to make money for the company is to um, sell uniforms to kids mm-hmm. in school. Yep. And that's a, I don't know, that's just a great little scene in her office where they're, they're sitting on the floor as well and smoking yeah. and they're just like chatting and having like a little girl's time. And I don't know, I just, I love their relationship so much. I love that yeah. they connect. There's so much the same character, but different. And I, and that Sue Ellen, like, I think genuinely likes her and like kind of wants to be her in a way, but just uh, learns from her a lot. And they have a great connection, the two of them, that carries through the movie. That uh, also another moment that happens later on that I I didn't really catch on to how how important it was and how much it meant until now between the two of them. Mm-hmm. But that yeah, that's a, that's a great scene, definitely. And then um, Walter has his home entertainment center. And Ken get it to work, ask Kenny to go up on the roof and fix the antenna to the TV. And, he f- and Kenny's, Kenny's eating waffles and smoking pot with his friends, yeah. which they're also getting the dog high. They're getting Elvis high. <laughs> yeah, Walter goes up on the roof uh, to fix the TV antenna and falls off and breaks his leg. And it's, that's a great, another great little moment. Um when Sue Ellen gets the call, it's, I love, um, cause Gus had sent Sue Ellen roses, uh, about like wanting to go away for the weekend, uh, yeah. with him. Another, uh, stop it, yeah. stop it, stop it with the grossness. Mm-hmm. There's a great moment where, uh, Rose, it's like Rose and Gus on, on either side of the screen and Sue Ellen's in between. And, mm-hmm. and cause Rose says something about thanks for the roses and Sue Ellen's just, she does she does the things with her eyes i don't know she's just like so mad like she so wants to like out him right there i wish she would have but well well that is not the way (laughs) movies work it has to wait for the act three reveal yeah she gets the call uh from the hospital about walter i like how she has to be now she has to pretend to actually like be a mom just be a grown-up actual mom mom. hi i'm looking for walter crandall call me back well I don't know if he's okay. He's in with the doctor right now. He better be okay. Okay, okay, what happened? Sorry. Uh, Mrs. Crandall. I'm Dr. Perlmutter. Here he is. Oh, my. Yeah, hi, I'm, I'm Mrs. Crandall, Walter's mom. How is he? What happened? Walter, how do you feel, honey? Are you okay? It's a clean break. It should heal nicely. He fell off the roof. What was he doing on the roof, Kenny? I wasn't there. I should have been. Well, I mean, not on the roof, but I should have been with him. 
taking care of him. Reading green eggs and ham or some shit like that. Walt, man, I'm really sorry. You'll have to bring him back for a walking cast in about six weeks. Um, have him take one of those if he has any pain. Walt, we'll stop and get you an ice cream cone, okay? That doesn't make up for your irresponsibility. Look, I screwed up. I'm sorry. Is he your son, too? Uh, no. He's my stepson. Yeah, that's why we don't get along so well. Well, we better get on home for supper. I'm making pot roast. It's Walter's favorite. Come on, kids, let's go. Chop, chop. Take it easy. Help your brother. I can't believe you let this happen to him. Damn it, Kenny. <laughs> and then, oh, this is my stepson, Kenny. Um, yeah. Because they're too close in age uh, to actually be, right. <laughs> be mother and son. Yeah. Kenny and Sue Ellen have to be like at least two years apart or something. They're they're, they're super close in age. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's another funny scene where they're they're arguing all like a like a married couple and like a stepson and a stepmother. I don't know. I just I like their little interactions when they're leaving the hospital in that scene. And she's like, "Help your brother." I can't believe you let this happen to him. Damn it, Kenny. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. That moment has always just really got to me. Yeah. And then they go home from the hospital. And this is where Sue Ellen finds out that all the kids have been uh, stealing. Stealing the money. Yeah. Stealing the money. And she thinks she's going to be okay. She's like, I'm an embezzler. Yeah. I'm going to go to prison. Yeah. <laughs> and she, but she thinks she's can put it back with her, her paycheck. But her paycheck is only like $400 because of taxes and retirement. Yeah. And, Seven hundred. Uh, all of those things. <laughs> my check is only for seven hundred and thirty-five dollars. Ha- taxes. They took half of my money away for taxes mm-hmm. and some savings and pension plan. Right. Kind of, just like that, that's what it's like to be a grown-up. Yeah, Sorry. that's that's <laughs> one of those big uh, moments in life where you realize, oh yeah, taxes. <laughs> yeah, uh, really. When you on your on your paycheck, yeah. They spend a lot of money, but she thinks that just a couple more paychecks that she can put it back in petty cash. But then the next scene is Rose saying that we're probably all going to be out of a job <laughs> because they're not going to get this big uh, account, I yeah, guess, with, with the, the, schools, the superintendent yeah. the superintendent of schools. Because the kids rebelled because they, they mm-hmm. caught wind that they were going to have to wear uniforms and they started burning uniforms in effigy. <laughs> it's all, uh, all going back to that moment between uh, Rose and Sue Ellen, though, she, she does make the point like that kids aren't going to want to wear uniforms. Uh, my high school is like a fashion show. She says, <laughs> There's a nice little thing where she, uh, Rose says, well, back then it was safe. And it's like, I was, it was like, it was last year. It was earlier right. this year, actually, <laughs> for yeah. Sue Ellen. Yeah. Yeah, that's obviously freaks Sue Ellen out because she's got to pay back the money that she stole, which actually doesn't end up coming back later in any way. Like, no one seems to no, care. No, it doesn't. <laughs> which is fine. It's just what propels her into um, what what she ends up doing. Mm-hmm. How she kind of takes over trying to save this whole company, basically. Uh-huh. What she does is she uses her, her talent, her passion, and her, her inspiration that she has for fashion. Yeah. And she finally brings some fashion back into the company and has some ideas to totally, you know, change around. Because they, they had shown before that the, the style of the uniforms is all, like, pretty pretty drab and ugly and, and boring. And so she uses her 
yeah they, they comment on it later like uh you know gaining market p- perspective from a teenager you know having having an idea of what the kids now the kids you know yep. those darn old kids what they like to wear and how they want to feel about themselves and how they'd want to look and how they'd want these they want these uniforms to be and sue ellen can do that she can bring that and she totally turns into like businesswoman slash you know working mom yeah uh, at this point in the movie and so they're like yeah there's like a whole little montage that i really like of uh kenny's being like the the stay-at-home parents and taking care of the kids and i like the scene where she uh not she he uh goes to see uh, melissa at uh baseball practice yeah i love that practice and he's like that's my girl (laughs) yeah that's again for me that's i I guess you know because maybe it's because i'm a guy i recognize you know that growth in kenny i really like that about the movie is that Mm -hmm. um that there's this sort of b story that's sort of this just lovely totally arc for him you know, growing from being kind of a irresponsible kid to being absolutely a fairly responsible young man, you know, I, I with at least some direction, with some yeah. direction and something that he's excited about. Mm-hmm. It's, it's cool because what they're what they're doing is uh, they're going to put on basically Sue Ellen's going to do all these designs, like I said, for new uniforms for the company. And then they're going to put on a, a fashion show, a big presentation for all the buyers and <laughs> Rose said something about, uh, you know, renting a banquet hall for from Petty Cash. And she's like, eh, actually, there's no money in Petty Cash. And they decide, uh, which she's very right. She says that her, her house is fabulous and they'll just have yeah. it there. Their house is pretty fabulous. Yeah, it just happens to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's even before. It's just even, a disrepair. Even before, you know, their mom goes on vacation, the house is uh, pretty you know, it's cluttery and it's yeah. got, it's, 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 it's on the rundown side. It's very lived in. Uh, it's, it's lived in like there's five kids yeah. and one and parent, one parent who's yeah. tired and, you know, doesn't just can't do it all, you know? And I, oh boy, I look around my own yeah. house and I think that, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So they're going to have a big fashion show presentation at the house. And so, so I like, again, I love the scene where she um, she talks to her brothers and sister and is like, all right, like we need to do this. We need to clean this place up or I'm going to turn us all in. But it's also, um, I also think they want to, they yeah. want to help her out. It's just, they're immediately just like, yeah, all right, let's do this because yeah. they're, they're, they're so different, but they'll get along yeah. in their like brother, sister way. But they're, they really, it sounds so corny to say this. They really like connect with each other better, you know, yeah. over this this summer and what they learned, you know. But sure. it's it's corny, but it's true. It's, it is true. It is true. And I think mm-hmm. you know having a little bit of shared purpose and direction for for them yeah. to do is is nice. It's a nice feeling to feel like you're accomplishing something and part of something. And they kind of all and hopefully they feel bad for, for screwing their sister over. Yeah, I think that's part of it too. You know, mm-hmm. Even Elvis gets in on the act, bringing the papers out. <laughs> he does. Yeah. Yes. So I Good love, moment of I uh, love that dog. Daniel Harris using <laughs> using a, the squirt gun to for the, the wind, squirt gun for on the, the windows. Windex. Yeah, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So there's a lot of uh, montage stuff going yeah. on here of them like they're they're cleaning up the place. Um, they're actually doing like everything. <laughs> they're like painting the house outside. They're they have a pool. Cleaning the pool. They have a pool. There's five kids. It's the summertime and they have a 
pool. How would they not do this before? I know. Like cleaning out the pool and getting it ready for them. Yeah. But whatever. It's a nice pool too. So yeah, they're just <laughs> yeah, they're just really turning things around as as individually and as a family. Yeah. So then there's more stuff with Sue Ellen at the office, you know, working hard, obviously obviously showing that uh that parent that's that's always working late and maybe not as home as much. There's a little moment that I like where she's um, sitting on the edge of uh, the bed and like k- kissing Melissa goodnight yeah. as if she's like just seen her, you know? So uh, what I'm saying is that it leads up to the scene that we've been talking about. Yeah. <laughs> it's probably my, our favorite between Kenny and Sue Ellen. Yeah. Just this whole idea, you know, I'm, I've been cooking dinner. I put the kids to bed. I'm just sick and mm-hmm. tired of not being appreciated. The way he <laughs> delivers all of that is, you know, it's obviously the traditional, you know, stay at home mom role that he's yes. playing there. And she is, she's got her good points too. It's like, I'm trying to provide Mm -hmm. for the family. And by reversing the traditional roles, I think it shines a light on how both of them have good points here. Yeah. It's hard for both of them. It's hard for both of them. But yeah, his delivery is so so good. good. When the scene first starts too, she's like, did you burn something? Well, maybe if you had called and told me you're going to be like three and a half hours late, I could have planned my dinner better. Just like stuff that you would not expect, like from the character that you meet at the beginning of the movie, like just stuff that you would not expect him to be saying. Uh I worked all day on that casserole. Right. And the scene just uh, escalates to, yeah, they they both come up with their good points and they both feel a little bad. Oh, the, the best line, though, is. And when was the last time we went out to dinner together, huh? Yeah, I I love that. I love that. (laughs) Again, just like bringing into the, not just the reversal of gender roles, but also just them two as an old married couple. Right. They play it so good. Now, the next thing I have is actually sort of the day of the presentation (laughs) at the the house when, and the house looks amazing. That whole, that whole setup they have with the pool and the bridge over it and all the investors or whomever all the big wigs showing up uh, the buyers outside. from new york yeah the buyers all sitting outside on the lawn oh actually before this uh, carolyn sorry we forgot about carolyn and bruce oh yeah yeah yeah. <laughs> they've been they've trying been to snooping. um they've been snooping and they've been trying to get dirt on sue ellen basically mm-hmm. they they heard her say something about how there's no money in petty cash and uh, so they go in to uh her desk one night and they find out that they find her driver's license. I don't know. This is, I don't know. I never liked this part because it's like, why would she leave her purse there right. with her driver's license? It's obviously after hours, yeah. <laughs> but whatever. This is a movie thing. They find her driver's license and they find out that she's only 17. Yeah. And then it's the time for the big party. Yes. Yeah. The, the house looks awesome. Very nineties again. <laughs> with the, <laughs> the decorations. Mm-hmm. Love it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the, uh, the fashion, decisions uh, <laughs> of, of the show or yeah they they play that late 80s early 90s look yeah but before we get there uh kenny oh comes out ready for the night all cleaned up hair uh, looking yeah. just like brad in <laughs> in adventures in babysitting <laughs> yeah because yeah. yeah. he's had the long sort of mangy i guess <laughs> you know because he's sort of just kind of just lets it grow and do whatever it does for the rest of the movie uh here it's all looking handsome in his uh shirt and nice clothes and everything again like yeah he's he's found his his passion he's basically been he's basically catered 
mm-hmm. you know, this whole party. He's made all of the food for them, and um, I think he's. I think he's so proud of himself. I think so. In a way that he's not really portraying as much, you know, mm-hmm. like I think he's, he's proud of what he's, what he's learned and how he's changed and what he's become. And he's seeing a future for himself when, you know, before, you know, he and his friends would joke all the time. It's like, Hey, maybe we'll, we'll never get out of school if we don't, you know, if we keep screwing off like this and it doesn't seem to bother him yeah. before. Yeah, it doesn't. It's, so it's a, it's an interesting and you know it, maybe he's got this future in culinary school or something ahead yeah. of him and uh, yeah it's 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 a nice scene i mean it's not like greece where he just totally changes who he is <laughs> he just wanted I, yeah he didn't have to totally change himself no but i think he just wanted to look nice for for, for this particular for the, for, the, for, event. The, for this particular thing yeah, yeah yeah i think that's the point not uh, not forever forgetting who he is or anything and uh suellen's friends magically come back from From europe Europe to to be the models for the show and then uh gus comes back again Uh, and they have a great scene um again with not just between suellen and gus but between rose suellen and gus yes because he does the the gross thing again where she's like dude i'm not interested why don't I don't want to do this. Why are you doing this to Rose? You're a sleazeball. Uh-huh. He does the thing again. I was just kidding. I was just kidding. Yeah. Maybe you're taking this too seriously. Like, you know, doing the gross thing and like putting the blame off of himself and on onto the woman. Yeah. Whatever. And she <laughs> uses a little squirt gun um, right in the crotch. I love that. And then Rose comes in and like my favorite, like I said before, like my favorite thing about this scene that I'd never really caught on to before is that um, Sue Ellen finally tells Rose that Gus has uh, got a crush on her and like he's the one that sent her um, the roses and not to Rose. Rose does not get mad at Sue Ellen in this scene. Nope. Is what I love. She rightfully gets mad at Gus. Yep. Which I honestly had never really picked up on as much before but this time I was like yeah that was a really good choice like not to because they've had such a great relationship rose and suellen have the whole time if i think if she had turned on her and like like you see in some other movies like instead of turning on the guy you turn on the quote-unquote other woman Mm -hmm. that could be in competition with you no she doesn't do that at all she's like oh actually you're kind of scummy for coming on to my friend yeah i love that yeah it's a good moment perfect moment handled really well this time yeah it really is all right. Then it's time for the fashion show. Then we have our fashion show with um, chefs' outfits and nurses' uniforms that would never be allowed in an actual. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but hey, it's all good. Makes its point. But then, in the Nicole's midst of all nurses' this, uniform, oh my god, is a pink form-fitting spandex. That's like a Halloween <laughs> costume, you know. It, yeah, it's a Halloween yeah. costume with black diamonds on it. It's like I understand the concept that you're going for. I don't know that any hospital would actually buy those uniforms. Exactly. I'm just saying. Yeah. Just be prepared. I don't think <laughs> that's what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, yeah. But it's a good fashion show where you, you again, you see, um, I don't know if she's done it all by herself or she's probably worked with a design team at the company. Well, they show her, the- they show her uh, talking with uh, Franklin about getting mm-hmm. the things made and things like that. As I recall, during one of the montages, he's like taking notes and um, yeah. getting things and her ready. having meetings mm-hmm. with uh, people like well i'm just saying like i don't think she did all the designs like entirely herself right. but you can tell that she obviously inspired them yeah 
that this is where her her eye for what teenagers are wearing now comes in and what ends actually ends up really helping the company. Yeah. So uh, Brian starts driving up in the uh, in in his in his <laughs> in delivery truck, truck in the clown dog <laughs> truck, and he's got the intercom. Yeah. yeah, he's saying, Sue Ellen, we could work this out. We all know each other. <laughs> and so uh, she speeds along the the end of the uh-huh. fashion show. How does he not realize that there's something? There's probably like a ton I of cars know. and stuff there. <laughs> like, what are you doing, Brian? Like, <laughs> You're ruining everything. And now we have our clown dog delivery. <laughs> they start taking pictures of him. And he's just Becky's kinda... our Boy Scout. And she is wearing a Boy Scout uniform. Thank you, Becky. <laughs> And mom comes home too. Mom comes yeah. home early. Whoa. Mom comes home a week early. Whoa. And seeing all this, Sue Ellen kind of confesses on the microphone, right? She kind of breaks down a little bit. Yeah. Well, I think it's the moment of realization that's like, I'm in over my head now. I don't know what to do. I'm 17. I am 17. I don't have to have this all figured out right now. This should be over my head. And it's okay. It's going to yeah. feel really shitty right now, but it's <laughs> kind of the way it is. And she kind of takes responsibility for it right away. Yes. Just kind of sees her mom, you know, and then Kenny just follows her in the house. They're still kind of playing up uh, their their new roles. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. Well, you can and tell. That... She tells her mom to go to bed. Yeah, we'll tells her mom to go morning. to bed. We'll talk about it in the morning. But the mom's kind of looking around the house and she's kind of impressed mm-hmm. by how it looks even though obviously things against her will happened it's a little bit like in school of rock where uh you know joan cusack says this was amazing it's like so you're not mad i'm furious I'm furious <laughs> yeah, so that, yeah exactly same it's kind, the same of kind of moment idea, sure yeah. but you can tell that you know, it's gonna be okay yeah it's going to be okay, uh, even because hey, they're family, ultimately, when it comes down to it. And that is a family that seems to be there for each other, even in spite of the conflicts. Yeah. And then another uh, good moments uh, again with Rose. Rose and Carolyn, for one thing. Uh, I like how earlier when Carolyn had showed Rose her driver's license and she, I don't I think she, I don't know. I can't tell if she believes it because she says, I, I think you, you made this up. Yeah. And I don't believe you and tells her to grow up. But I don't know. Maybe she's got a little bit of an inkling that that's probably true. true. Like, yeah. But Rose is fine with all of it. After the big, her big confession scene and everything, and she tells the truth, and she's genuine. She's genuinely sorry. Like we, we know that Rose and Sue Ellen are like besties, yeah, pretty much by now, and that they genuinely care for each other. And yeah. so she's, she and I think she, I think Rose understands what you know. Nothing about what Sue Ellen did was malicious, obviously. I don't think she has any intention of rubbing salt in the wound. <laughs> no, she, knows, she doesn't. She knows how truly sorrowful i guess if that's the right word um yeah uh, sue ellen is for all of it and the deception at least but i don't think yes but i think uh rose also recognized that there recognizes that there's a lot of positive that came out of this yes totally Ultim- for her ultimately too. you know i think i think she learned a lot from sue ellen mm-hmm. and so they they their last scene together is super sweet and they're like yeah, uh, yeah it's fine like you actually did a really great thing for the company and probably saved us yeah and i still really like you and she's like let's go have lunch later on next week so yeah they're gonna be fine i like I like that. This this movie didn't need like a big 
big kind of blow up thing no. uh, at the end, a big, big reveal. I think it just needed that moment with Sue Ellen to, to realize that she's been trying. She's been trying so hard to, to be the mom and to be the grown up and just realizing that it's all too much at one time. And just like, take your time before you get into that stuff. Yeah. Like enjoy being a kid, take the time to figure things out before you just dive head first into being a grown up. Cause you're going to regret not being a kid mm-hmm. more longer when you're a grown up. Yeah. Be a kid as long as you can, I think, is kind of the theme of both of these movies. Yes, <laughs> it feels like it, right? So there's a good connection between the yeah, two. Yeah, always surprising connections, right? Yeah. And Swellen and Brian make up. Uh, I like how he kind of he kind of tricks her at first that they're not going to rekindle, but obviously he likes her. Yeah, he still likes her a lot. Yeah, so I, they're gonna they're gonna be okay at the end too. So. Yeah, I mean, both of these are very positive, nice wrapping up how. <laughs> <laughs> this yeah. th- these things in a positive way kind of movies but that's nice to have I think sometimes it, I think it's realistic after having a few uh few weeks of darkness in a row here um yeah. it's nice to have <laughs> some that are very feel good that, that make you feel good in their yeah. own in their own way mm-hmm. this one is super fun super feel good mm-hmm. the the last little uh sting at the end too when the mom comes out and asks where's the babysitter yeah <laughs> And they cut to as the the credits are gonna start, and it's uh, the two more guys have uh, have buried her and paid for uh, a headstone that says "Nice old lady inside died of natural causes," which just makes me laugh every time. Yeah. <laughs> and they kind of they're talking. Obviously, they found the money on her, and they they've taken the money. And talk, they're talking about going to Vegas and yeah. everything. It's a great little ending, and the the movie's over and. I absolutely love this movie, and I'm, I'm glad we got to talk about yeah. this because I'm. This makes me very happy. Definitely, and I'm glad that I was able to um, finally watch it. And I'm glad that you liked it and saw something in it, even as an adult. When, it, like yeah. I said, it does feel like it's something that you would latch on to more as a kid. Oh yeah, which is why it's like holds oh, such a special place in my heart. Mm-hmm. But yeah, watching it as an adult, I definitely saw things before that I didn't. That I saw things now that i didn't see before no i didn't see that i was saying that backwards <laughs> you get what i mean do get what you mean yes <laughs> i saw i saw different things this time around and it actually made the movie better mm-hmm. for me and i actually respect the movie a lot more even though yeah it is like this weird little like i said irreverent comedy from the 90s it's that maybe only a few people remember yeah. it's worth remembering it's worth checking out even now, you know, when it was made over 30 years ago, yeah, it's still kind of relevant. It still has some very modern, cool things to say, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. I think so, too. Yeah, that was fun. Yay. Yay. <laughs> I like fun. I like fun episodes, Brian. We need to do more of those. We've got fun episodes ahead. We do. The next one's going to be fun. Yes. Okay, before we get to those, though, do we have some recommendations? Well, we always have recommendations. What's yours? I do. Or My do you- recommendation. Yeah, I, um, I, this one I just kind of thought of off the top of my head. I wanted to think of a movie that would pair well with both of these. And this was the first one I thought of. And it actually is, is kind of perfect. So... Uh, my recommendation, just uh, just as a companion piece, actually, to both of these movies is Heavyweights from 1995. And I think it's a really good, for one, it's just like, it's a super fun movie. Uh, you got to see it, Brian. I'm telling you, you'll love it. <laughs> I will. It's another one of those, like, uh, you don't have, it's very, it's got combinations of, of both of these movies, I think, because it takes place at, like, a, a fat camp for kids, which is 
kind of a downer thing um but it also has that um quirkiness and oddness that um don't tell mom the babysitter's dead has i mean it was co-written by by judd apatow paul feig has a great role <laughs> in this movie ben stiller is uh, just tony as tony perkis ben stiller is <laughs> you'll see okay so what it is it's um it starts out with his kid jerry um his his parents are going to send him to camp and he finds out that it's a fat camp which upsets him obviously he goes and it, it the camp had been run by this like really nice older couple that everybody loves and remembers like all the other campers love him but then like when jerry gets there uh, they had to sell the camp and it's taken over by Ben Stiller as this guy, Tony Perkis, who's like one of those like very much into physical fitness and obviously like treats the kids poorly. The whole the whole thing is them like trying to get back at, at Tony and get get their camp back the way they want it because he's he's ruined it. It's, it's it's so funny and it's got such great characters. The young uh, Keenan Thompson is one of the the campers like i said paul feig is hilarious in his role ben stiller is just steals the show so i think it would be a great that would be a great companion piece to both of these movies i think it has elements of both of them uh heavyweights okay cool i will check it out i do believe it's on my watch list so are like 500 other movies but i'll <laughs> i'll be sure well, to get that to this feeling. one i know um, <laughs> i know all right. It's an easy watch, though. You could easily just throw this. This would be a great one for your kids, too. Oh, okay. Okay, I'm sure it would be. Totally. I'm sure it would be. Um, okay, so I'm going to recommend... Okay, so if you go to Kino Lorber, if you are so interested in uh, Indian Summer that you would like to see it, you can order a Blu-ray for like five bucks there right now uh, that has it, Indian Summer. And it also has Mike Binder's first movie, which is called Crossing the Bridge from 1992. Uh, I don't think it's quite as good. It's a darker story, but it's it's a good movie. Uh, I think it's mostly, again, about the relationships, um, and it's got not a lot of really well-known actors in it, except for Stephen Baldwin. But, you know, it's it's about these guys who get kind of unwittingly involved in a drug-running scheme, okay, um, crossing the bridge from, from I believe, Detroit into uh, Canada. So it's got some of danger in it. It's mm-hmm. got, but it's also got, you see elements of sort of that nice relationship building stuff that Mike Bender does so well in Indian summer. You know, these young people who are close friends for whatever reasons uh, for growing up together and all these kinds of things that just get caught up in this scheme. It's good. I mean, it's got some darkness. It's got some danger. It's got some interesting elements. So, um, yeah, I'm just going to go ahead and recommend that. And besides, it comes on the Blu-ray with uh, Indian Summer, if you're interested in Indian Summer, which I hope people will be after hearing this episode. They better be. They should, if they haven't seen it before. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Those are perfect. So, what's going on next episode, Brian? Well, the next episode, we return to Films on Filmmaking once more. Uh, So, I am... This is number four. This is the fourth one. And this these this has been a fun series, totally. and we're not really going for themes anymore. I don't think. <laughs> At first, we were like, ah, eh, we're different aspects of it, but now eh, we're just going to pick films on filmmaking because they're fun. So I am picking from 1995, "Living in Oblivion" from Tom yeah. DeSillo. Now I have only seen this for the first time uh, this year or last year, but I loved it. 
It's fantastic. It's very funny. Got a lot of interesting and surreal and bizarre things going on in it. Uh, Steve Buscemi as uh, director of this movie, Catherine Keener, and I can't remember who all is in it, but that's okay because we'll talk about it next time. Yeah. I love Peter Dinklage in this movie. He's <gasps> oh, so <right>. funny. <laughs> yeah. He's so funny. Uh, and yeah, I'm excited to watch it again and talk about it because it's great. And then mine is, a, I think, a little bit different of a movie than we've covered before with this. Um, I'm picking Mute Witness, from 19, also from 1995. Uh, this is, You haven't seen this one. I have not. And I think you're going to love it. Yeah. So it's a really interesting story. Um, shot in Moscow, in, in Russia, and the, that's where the movie actually takes place. It's, um, I don't know her name, Marina Zudina. Is the is the main character? She plays Billy. She's a special effects uh, makeup artist for the movies, and she's mute. She can hear, but she can't speak. And um, so they're working on this like low budget like slasher movie in Moscow. And one night she goes in there after after hours and see these guys making a snuff film. <laughs> yeah, Yikes. and they 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 catch on to her and the the rest of the movie is her trying to get away from these guys. It's a super super interesting story. I think you're gonna love it. Maybe it's not so much about filmmaking, but that there's an element in there, and I just and I just love this movie, and I wanted to talk about it. So absolutely, <laughs> this is where I'm slotting it in. I'm excited, excited to take yeah. to check this one out. Okay, so we can find us it? on the Bird app on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Brian <laughs> on the Twitter. On the Twitter, you can find me at Brian D Kuiper, and you can find me at Michelle in Agen. And you can find the show at Movie Life Pod. So join us, and also make sure to rate and review on Apple Podcasts Please. if you would. We could definitely use some more. Uh, if you're on the fence about doing that, it, believe me, if you enjoy the show, it really does help to spread the word. Um, and yeah. so drop that in there. Also, I want to mention real quick that Michelle and I were both on, and this is going to be aired long after this episode is available, of yeah, yeah the Cult Movies podcast with Anthony King. Uh, we talked about Stanley Kubrick's The Killing. I thought that was a lot of fun. It, I did too. Yeah, it was a lot of fun to jump in with uh, Anthony and talk about that movie. And I probably talked about 2001 more than I should have. <laughs> but <laughs> that's my thing. I always got to talk about the other movie, right? Um, right. But uh, yeah, so. I will watch it one day, uh, Brian, okay. I promise. Okay. <laughs> so I uh, encourage you to check out that episode and uh, check out check out Anthony's show in general because it's a pretty cool show too. We l- I, I enjoy that one a lot. It's one of my favorites. All right, so thanks, everybody, for listening. Hope you enjoyed the conversation and that you'll be back for more. Yep. And we will... See you later. (laughs) See you next time. I did it again. (laughs) We'll see you next time. There you go. All right, bye. Oh, maybe you don't. Do I have to come right flat out and tell you everything? Give me some money. Give me some money.
okay. But your purse is too tight. I'm looking for a pound, notes, loose change, bad checks, anything. Give me some money. 